What's up, everybody? Welcome to PS I Love You XOXO episode four. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the pride of Long Island, Colin Moriarty. It's good to be here with you today. Is it good to be here with me? No, today? not really. It no. never is, is no, it? No, You're no, always no. trapped here. You're a living nightmare. You can't <laughs> escape. <laughs> All you want to do is be alone, and there's more and more people know, in this just, house. It's just, it's Groundhog's Day. What have you been playing? Uh, Dragon Quest Heroes, uh, Heroes of Loot on Vita I've been messing around with. Um, is that worth my time? You, you've been messing around with it the last two shows. Should I screw around? Yeah, I mean, I, like, I think it's like two or three bucks. I think it's yeah, totally, I have it already. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, on there. I think it's, I think it's fun. I mean, it's... Okay. it's uh, I'm just trying to get a couple of the last trophies that I don't have yet. 5,000 kills trophy is a little annoying to get. Yeah. Um, it's very simple and very straightforward and even a little repetitive. But if you care about the trophy specifically, I can't imagine messing around with the game for more than an hour or two if you really don't care about the trophies. But if you yeah. care about the trophies, then it can add two or three times the length of that maybe. Okay. Um. So, yeah, I enjoy it. Okay. Yeah. I, I've been playing. I, over the weekend, I played three-fourths home on PlayStation. Yeah, I got to get to that still. Yeah. yeah, you can knock it out. No problem. 100% of the trophies. Didn't take long at all, because once you do go through the first time, I went back and then I had a lot of I, my one thing I didn't like that a lot of unanswered questions. Mm. You know what I mean? It's one of these narrative based games. You're mm. doing this thing, you're choosing your responses. How's this all going to go? But then in the end, I felt like there were still a lot of questions. I had, to, I had to go look on the internet to figure out what other people were saying. And I get that you want to have a discussion, you want people talking about your game after the fact. But I was like, all right, just tell me exactly what happened right. to this character, that character. Right, I could right. just do deal with that. Of course. And you know what else I've been playing, Colin? I wanted to mention here on its release day, no less. Uh, Guitar Hero Live. Yeah, you enjoying that? I am enjoying that. Mm. You know what I mean? Like we, what we flogged Rock Band for was just being more Rock Band, right? And I was like, all right, do we need this again? And the DLC not working? Mm. All this other, but it, it looked and felt like every other Rock Band before it. Sure. In Guitar Hero Live, I'm enjoying because it's different. You know what I mean? It is. It isn't. Uh, I liked Rock Band more than Guitar Hero back in the day because I was playing. I wanted the party atmosphere. I wanted mm. to jump in and play with friends. I wanted something surface level. And now that we got Rock Band again, it's kind of like, well, I don't really mm. need this again. I've mm. done, had this experience. Whereas now. Guitar Hero has swung the opposite way where I'm playing this game. I'm trying to get better scores, not hit anything. I'm relearning. That's a big part. You know what I mean? Mm. Like Guitar Hero 4, all right, I already know how to play this game. I've play, been playing it for years. The the fact that now it's just th- three buttons, but the, it's six of them because it's you know, white and black, three on, three on top of three or whatever, and just three fingers all of a sudden makes it really different. All the muscle memory I had of having to move my hand down to get to lower notes isn't there anymore. Mm. Trackless is fun. This whole like uh, the online bit is fun. Of like I'm leveling up, you know, as I play through. And there's these channels that have all this other music. There's all this stuff that isn't on the disc for your quick plays, but you can jump on there and play and lit my own worst enemy and all this stuff. Cool, and it's good stuff. I'm Sounds good stuff. Yeah, I'm having fun with it. Yeah, this week I assume I'll jump into Zestiria, Tales of Zestiria, and uh, that's probably. And then oh, I want to play a uh, 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 Organ Trail, which we'll talk about in in a minute. Oh, we uh, will. That's those games are both coming out this week, but um, yeah, those are the games I'll probably pivot to this week. I don't know how much more Dragon Quest Heroes I have in me, but we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm, gonna keep, I'm telling you, man, just walk away. It's time. You've played enough. You know what it nah, is. I kind of want to. I, I want to. I want to figure it out more. Yeah. I feel like maybe there's some like these Musou like Omega Force games are not for me. They've never been for me. But, yeah. but I love Dragon Quest, and I do like the fan service in the game a lot. Sure, sure. It sure. is. I just. I feel like there might be more there than I, I realize. I hope more? there is. Yeah. Because. I'm not making a value judgment on the people that like those games or, or those games. I mean, those games are very popular with a lot of people. It's just like, I if this is it, is this really, really it? Yeah. You know, like it, it, because it's very shallow gameplay wise and I don't quite understand what would be fun about that. I mean, those are what those games are. I mean, that's just how they are. But what, but, but. There's this is what I'm saying is that I refuse to believe having played Dynasty Warriors and Samurai Warriors and stuff in the past that there's not more to it than the simple nonsensical gameplay because yeah. if there isn't then I really don't get it. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I just feel like there's something here. I want to, I want to figure it out. I want to okay. finally, instead of just making fun of these games as we've done for years, I want to yeah, actually yeah, yeah. like figure out. Cause now it's a franchise. It's connected to a franchise in a world you care about. Exactly. It means something. I understand. And that. I've always kind of felt this way about Samurai Warriors and D- Dynasty Warriors and whatnot is this is so popular that not only do these games come out in Japan with regularity, which doesn't, which doesn't surprise me, but that they come out in the West constantly there's multiple dynasty warriors games a year it seems yeah, like yeah in terms of maybe their re-releases or ports or whatever they're even coming to vita and stuff like that so people are are playing them and they're popular yeah so i feel like much like i felt maybe in the past with assassin's creed although i've given up that ghost and and some other things is that there's something here that i'm missing and so i, I think dragon quest heroes is the most appropriate way for me to figure out what it is that i'm missing and yeah there is something missing all right with you yeah i mean it's just a seinfeld reference yeah sure mm-hmm. sure uh this week for me i'm gonna Probably focus on Vita. Taking off for Nashville on Wednesday. So I'll be using that Vita. I want I it, the persona dancing all night platinum is not hard, just time consuming. Mm. And it's one of those I thought in the beginning I was gonna rush through it and now I'm just leaving it as my plain game. You know what I mean? I'm out there screwing around sure. when I'm when I'm out on the go. I want True. something to keep playing there. So yeah, I can respect that. Yeah. I guess until until Wasteland comes to Vita. Yeah. Well keep holding your hand on your ass for that one. I will. Mm-hmm. If you didn't know, ladies and gentlemen, this is PS I Love You XOXO, a product of kindoffunny.com. This is our PlayStation podcast each and every week, Tuesday, 9 a.m. Pacific time. We release it as an MP3 and video over on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames. Go over there, click subscribe, watch all the videos, subscribe, share it with your friends, tell your mom to come watch it when she's not having face surgeries. It means a lot to us to keep growing everything we're doing. Your support so far with this little podcast has been crazy. Of course, go to itunes.com slash kindoffunny. You can go there, subscribe to all of our podcasts, rate because it helps out Tim. He doesn't cry as much when people go and rate the podcast. And we have a lot of fun. I like it when Tim cries. Colin. Yes. Let's begin the show with what is, and forever will be, Roper's Report. Time for some singular possessive news. There are, let me see here. Oh, I got to turn my mouse on. That's important. It is important. Got to turn on the mouse. There are 16 items. on A baker's dozen. Number one. I'm going to kind of maybe more pivot it this way. Ho- uh, are you ready? Because you're staring at the camera. I no, I was actually staring up there. Oh, you're staring I did up. a whole thing where I yelled Baker's Dozen and then I rotated my face and I hit it there and I was looking over oh, there. Okay. You just worry about what you're doing. Don't worry about me. Okay. That's how this works. Hideo Kojima has officially left Konami and his home studio Kojima Productions. This news comes by way of The New Yorker, which cites his last day as Friday, October 9th. We're recording this on the 19th, so it took 10 days for that to come out. There was some sort of departure ceremony in quotes held on his behalf. Kojima worked at Konami for nearly 30 years before leaving. Jeez His non-compete clause apparently expires in December, which will then allow him to work for another studio or more interestingly, found his own, which is what mm. I think is going to obviously happen. So, yeah, um, it's official. How do you feel? Awesome. Good for him. You know what I mean? Like, we don't know what happened with Konami. We don't understand exactly where everything broke down and what the hell happened, but we know that it was a bad relationship by the end there. You know what I mean? And so for him to get out, Great. You know, get out, stretch your wings, make the games you want to make. I think coming off Metal Gear 5 and the critical and fan reception of that game, he can do whatever the hell he wants. You know what I mean? Not that he was going to be unable to do that before, but again, he has like a bona fide hit. You know what I mean? A game where people aren't tearing it apart, like with 4, where there was like this huge like divisive, is it amazing, is it not amazing kind of thing. Yeah. Let the the fun begin with the publishers that are going to try to get him. Now, I, I, my... Being this is a PlayStation podcast, it seems pertinent information. I feel like it would not be that unusual for him to found his own first party Sony studio. And I bet you that that's one of the possibilities, legitimate possibilities for him. Sure. sure. Is that that would be a wise investment, I think, for Sony. Even though his game might not come out until 2019 or 2020. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I also think EA, Acti, UB are all going to be in on the on the for game. Sure. Um, for sure. What he might be able to do, and I, I don't know why I haven't considered this more, but what he might be able to do as well is he probably has quite a bit of money, but not enough to found his own studio. So he, of all people, could probably find great capital investment from private investors to create an independent studio that will then publish a third party game and find a publisher. And see, for me, that's what I've always said from the beginning is I think he'll be most inclined to do. Because why would he want to go from, I mean, it's it's going to be so similar to us in the way of like, I've left this corporation, I made this awesome thing for them, they get to keep it, I can't take it with me, I'll never do that again. I'm going to make things that I own, that I can do what I want with, that I can take with me wherever I go. He's going to make these you, you He could do that, but I, I, you have to assume that his suitors will know his problems with Konami and be sure. like, just do whatever you want. I mean, I, I really could imagine companies with means... Sony not being a company of great means right now, but still a company that that you know has a strong first party to be like, listen, here's your money, here hire who you want, have a hundred people at the studio and just make whatever, and we'll talk. And you know, I mean, I'm sure it'll be more complicated than we can talk. A couple, we'll talk in a couple of years. You but know, I don't like, think they're going to talk about like him keeping the IP. That he well, no, he would not be able to keep the IP. Yeah, um, but he's going to need a publisher. So what you're basically saying is that he would go independent and retain his IP, but he's not going to be able to get his game on Xbox, for instance. And he's not going to be able like there's there's all of this because like sh- you know there's all these problems. It, although they're rec- getting rectified with ID at Xbox, the publishing problems without a publisher and all these kinds of things. If he wants to get in bed with a publisher to proliferate his game, he's going to have to give up the IP or uh, find. Uh, do all the funding up front and then find a deep silver or something that will then put out your game at the end, which is mm-hmm. possible as well. I just think that he benefits more from the, the big studio and big publisher structure because those are the games he makes. Sure. So, I mean, like it's not like but he I makes don't think in, he, I don't games. think it's beyond the realm of possibility for people to look at him as an insomniac and say, okay, you make the game and you own the IP now and you go do what you want. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if that's even important to him. I, I don't know if it's sure, necessarily yeah, clear all, that he cares totally, about the yeah, IP. Yeah, we're all totally hypothesizing on that one. Um, Because even... You assume he would make another Metal Gear or something like that, even if it's not called Metal Gear. Maybe he has another idea entirely. He had other ideas with exactly. the Enders and stuff, but in his Sun game on DS that I can never remember. Or game Boktai. Boktai. Um, like bok choy. Bok choy. It's a small green vegetable. It's delicious. Delicious vegetable. I'll be interested to see what happens with him. Me but too. again, as I said, it's all conjecture. My my theory is that he would end up in the Sony first party with Activision or something. It's just it's just a theory. But I bet you that people are going to be going to Japan real soon to talk to him. Mm-hmm. Number two. Do you want to play Fallout 4 on Vita? I do. You're in luck. All right. But that's the tweet out a picture of Josh Hamrick playing P- uh, Fallout 4 on Vita via PS4's remote play functionality. This is important because every PlayStation 4 game. Is this is game. why it's important. It's worth noting that Hamrick was also responsible for Destiny's Vita remote play functionality, which people like like a lot. So he has experience making big games uh, work on little the little handheld. Presumably Fallout 4 on Vita will utilize the Vita as more than a mirror toting customized controls though it remains to be seen how it will work we'll find out in november mm. but him when i saw that tweet and, and saw it coming around did a little bit of research that's a substantial thing that he's the one doing it yeah he um, knows what he's doing because there are games that recognize when you can tr- connect to the vita and there are games that don't uh far cry 4 is always the example that, that game that game was made for ps4 and xbox one but it knows when the vita is connected when you when you connect to the vita and then start the game up and go into the load screen it shows you a vita instead of a ps4 controller right. for instance it shows so it knows yeah um so fallout 4 is being optimized for vita which i think is great yeah. And I, it's it be, not being a Twitch game means that it's going to um, function properly, I think, on Vita. And I'm excited. Sure, Vats will work in its favor for sure. Yeah. That'll be a fun one to do when you're just like looking to explore the wasteland during Sunday football or whatever. Number three. This is an interesting one, but let's get through the quote and I'll tell you why I think it's interesting. You can tell me if you agree or disagree. In the new issue of the official PlayStation magazine is transcribed by Games Radar. Naughty Dog's Neil Druckmann discussed what it was like for him in the studio uh, as they near the end of the Uncharted era at the studio. Here's what he said, quote, 
we get more and more of that feeling of this being of this definitely being the end of an era for us as a studio we've we've been with this franchise for almost 10 years now from inception all the way to this point luckily we don't get too much time to dwell on that feeling because we're so busy but every once in a while you know and there's an ellipsis so i don't know you exactly got choked when. up wiped away some tears. probably not this, this is an ellipsis that i put in because i'm not sure where the quote fits into the narrative Quote, I remember when Bruce and I came onto the project. He's talking about Uncharted 4. A few weeks later, we pitched a pretty new story to the team. Kind of a new direction for the project. A lot of things were pretty rough and just slotted in. So there was an ending, but it wasn't when it was well-defined. And at some point, we defined more of the plot thread and a more definitive ending. And we did a second pitch for the team, end quote. I still stand by that this game's not coming out in March. Oh, really? And here's why. Not only that. That we've known that the, the game was reworked. It sounds like it was reworked pretty substantially, but that I, they just tweeted out, I think, late last week, that Nolan North just finished his mocap. So it's almost November. December, January, February. The game's got to be pretty much ready to go by March. Yeah. I just, not knowing, you know, it's just, again, just conjecture, just a guess. I just, you don't see I don't see it. Like, yeah. I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know. That seems pretty late in the game. They already changed the game as it was in development. They're still capturing Nolan North as of last week. Sure. I just, but maybe they're just pickups. They're little things that were flubbed that was screwed up with. It could be, but I mean, I just, I, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure that's what it was. But I, I, it just seems like it's cutting it real close. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, yeah. I don't know exactly their process. I believe that they're probably, you know, the game's probably done from front. They probably played at this point, right? Yeah, but. You don't I, I don't standards know yet. it's not a naughty dog. Standards. I don't know. We're gonna find out. Yeah, I, I'm just saying. I, I, I wouldn't be. I hope I'm wrong because I want it. I want it now. Yeah, but you want it good. Yeah, I want it good. And so I, I hope I'm wrong because yeah. I want it. If it's up to their standards and they re- hit March, great. Fine. That's fantastic news. Yeah. And this is, there's nothing, there's few things I say that I want to be wrong about more than this. But I, still, I would not be surprised if it was delayed till something like May. I still believe. I think they're going to hit it. When do you think they delay it then? You think they do it to PSX? No. I think they do it in like February. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see. We I hope will. I'm wrong. Trust me. Do you, here's my question. You're, do you feel this in your balls or are you just thinking? No, I don't feel it in my balls. I don't feel it in my balls. I just know the experience with The Last of Us. And I also know that um, Naughty Dog's not going to launch a game that's not up to snuff and they don't have to launch the game. Yeah. Uh, that's not up to snuff. And if they need another two months or a month or whatever, they should get it. They're going to get it uh, if they need it. And uh, it just, th- this is why I thought the quote was interesting because he was just talking about, you know, a new direction for the project. They pitched a new story. You know, they they changed everything. This is what we were talking about earlier with it, right? When when long ago, you and I were making the predictions on the pot beyond, right? That we weren't going to see this anytime soon. And people were trying to tell us it was going to be a fall of this year or whatever. This year was I went on. It's all passed away. And I I was laying out the the timeline of whether or not Amy, you know, left on good circumstances, bad circumstances, however you want to say it. They've talked about how drastically they're changing this game. You know what I mean? You lose all these people. They're, and you know Neil and Bruce are so creative. They're going to come in with their own ideas, which means everything's different now. All you have, you have to probably get rid of. Yeah, I... Yeah. We'll see. We will. Number four. More Until Dawn news has popped up again coming from PlayStation Lifestyle. The website had a chat with the game's executive producer at Supermassive, Pete Samuels. Talking about DLC and VR functionality this time. Last week, we talked about some other stuff they had discussed with Samuels. On the DLC front, Samuels said, quote, the underlying truths, in quotes, in the story are pretty sacred. If an expansion of any kind require us to change a truth, then we wouldn't be happy doing it. We get asked a lot for happy ending for one character in particular. We can't see how that could work without breaking some important truths. 
I'm not ruling out DLC. We just haven't found the right context for it yet, end quote. As for possible PlayStation VR compatibility, he said, quote, PlayStation VR cropped up in a conversation a few times during development, but no, we don't expect that there will be an addition of the Until Dawn story to be played in VR anytime soon. End quote. Mm-hmm. What do you make of this? Because I, I feel like the DLC is not going to happen. I feel like they would already had a plan for that. I, you don't want to re- like, what are you going to release DLC in, in April or May? I mean, the game's you know going to be done, dead by then. Yeah. Um, VR is a little disappointing, although the perspective of the game prohibits VR. We, we often forget that. I mean, you could have a third person VR game, but that doesn't really make any sense. What's the point? Then you're just in the game, but still looking at the character as opposed to being the perspective of the character. And Told Dawn at first blush would be a great VR game, except for that they would have to change the perspective of the game, which means you would have to zoom in and it might not look right. And all these kinds of things. So, not the argument I'm making with all these VR games, right, is that it just makes sense. Like that, no, you can't shoehorn VR in. You have to build from the ground up. If you want any of this to be a success, you want it to take off. You want it to matter to people. You can't go and take the game that's already out, already working the way it should be working, and then be like, all right, now your head's the stick. That's stupid. That's not what I want out of VR. I don't head to be a stick. No, me neither. Number five. We've talked a lot about this a lot on Colin and Greg Live, but. We'll discuss it here as well. Amidst a lot of furor and controversy over WB's and Rocksteady's season pass for Batman Arkham Knight, the studio and publisher have revealed its remaining plans for the $40 season pass in addition to what has already been launched. In October, season pass holders, and this is my math, so I might be wrong a little bit, but I don't think I am. I double-checked, but this might be, the math might be like a little off, but you're going to get the general idea. I think it's fine, though. In October, in October, season pass holders will get three skins, two Batmobile tracks, six new AR challenges, and some new AR-related updates, including a new difficulty setting. In November, season pass holders will get a new Batmobile, three new skins, six new AR challenges, and two story missions that each come with two other AR challenges, as well as another AR-related update. In December, gamers will get four new missions circulating around Killer Croc, Mr. Freeze, Mad Hatter, and Ra's al Ghul, yeah. a new skin, a new Batmobile, and six new AR challenges. So the roadmap is basically painted now mm-hmm. for the rest of the season pass. What do you think? Because I still think that this has been poorly delivered and maybe not a lot of bang for the buck a lot of filler content mm-hmm. that you know 40 for 40 dollars yeah skins and like ar challenges and some missions that take like 15 minutes 20 minutes 30 minutes an hour i don't know just doesn't strike me as something that's very compelling yeah. as a consumer i stand by it. this is what i was expecting out of what they announced that when you know when they talked about doing a season pass i know rock dlc trajectory i know what they've done before i know it was done with arkham origins this is what i expected i'm stoked to get the uh batman v superman batmobile and skin that's super cool i'm so excited to be able to use that skin hopefully when i go and do the four main missions there the most wanted or whatever uh i'm looking forward to the what is it robin and catwoman story little missions they do on the side but it'll be like the nightwing thing which is the one that's like 15 20 minutes it's just like whatever but it's more to do with them at least i'm hoping for more out of the most wanted things those i need to be something Mm -hmm. you know what i mean those need to be cool i don't expect them to be as the batgirl level of intensity or whatever but i do expect them to be two parts or three parts uh, like like you would expect to see on the wheel when you're in there looking at your side missions and stuff like that to protect you from the inevitable comments you meant when you said and you remember what they did with origins rocksteady and origins right 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 number six this would typically go into the last piece since it's a game but this is a big enough game that it should get its own okay Bloodborne is getting its own Game of the Year edition, literally called mm. Bloodborne Game of the Year edition. Nailed it. The new pack will come with the original game, as we discussed during... Uh, oh, I'm something's missing here. Well, it's also going to come with the old Hunters DLC, so gotcha. that's the thing. 
uh, and uh, it will come out in November in multiple territories. So right before Christmas, right around Thanksgiving, uh, Bloodborne Game of the Year Edition, Bloodborne Game of the Year Edition, Bloodborne Game of the Original Year Original Game, Old Hunters DLC packed into one. Gotcha. Number seven, EA doesn't want to do HD remakes, according to EA COO, that's Chief Operating Officer. Oh, thank you. Peter Moore. I thought it was cool. Cool. In a conversation with IGN, Moore said, quote, remakes because of who we are in this broad portfolio of intellectual property. You added all of that together. I don't know where we find the time to do remakes. We're a company that just likes to push forward. Ellipsis, because I don't know exactly where this connects. For a lot of companies, remakes are a way to drive revenue. It's sub-cost. It's an IP that's there. You can remaster, and that's great. We don't do that here. I don't think there's even been... I don't think that's ever been in our culture, end quote. Moore also had this to say about backwards compatibility, which is unrelated, but I thought interesting, quote. In the old days, backwards compatibility was to convince your mom to buy the new console, not that you were ever going to use it. Once you got it, those things went in the drawer or on eBay. Yeah. Which go... So we'll talk about that first. That always, I always felt like the backwards compatibility argument way overblown. Yeah, most it's a check, mark. A vast it's a check mark. Yeah, but thing. people speak about it like it's the be all end all, and I think that they have to understand they're in a vast minority. People do not buy new consoles to play old games. Um, that's just that is a checkbox and a compelling thing, especially very early on. For instance, playing God of War two, which was a post PS three game. Uh, on your PS3, even though it's a PS2 game. The big been deal nice. for it always, right, is the fact that, yeah, you can then say to your mom, sure, there's this library. You can also trade in your console. You say to your mom. Have to worry about it. Say, say it to your mom. Don't say anything to my mom. I'm going to say whatever I want to Betty Ann. <sighs> Leave her alone. Betty Ann, you listen to this podcast yet? As far as the remakes, doing? the one thing that bothered me about this, and this is a direct quote from IGN, Moore talks about remakes, but then he uses the word remaster. They're, they're two different things. Yeah. A remaster is like Dishonored. Yep. Um, Shadow of the Colossus. Exactly. A remake is a remake. So what he's Resident saying. Remake. So I think that he's even conflating the words, and it's a. And these are two words that are Peter Moore being you know a friend of the show and obviously you know smart man who's been in the industry for a long time. He knows exactly what he's talking about. But I think he you know just during the conversation got a little muddled because a remake and a remaster two different things. Yeah. If they don't want to do remakes, I respect that. That's that I agree is a waste of time. Typically take a talented studio, have them remake a game. Shot exactly. Shot that's already been done. I mean, he says, where do we find the time to do remakes? Well, you don't do them internally. You yeah. do them. You have you, you pay other people. Well, that's remastering. Oh, right, right, right. So I'm what I'm saying is like the remake. You, you don't time. Where do you find the time to do remakes? Okay. You want to do them internally. You don't have time. That's fine. But the, the, let's not conflate the remaster and the remake because I still say it's confounding and confusing that EA hasn't re- remastered and re-released Mass, Mass Effect. Effect on the new consoles. And I still don't believe that they're not going to. So, I wonder, I, I think that's like just, that's ridiculous. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. But they didn't re-release Dragon Age and Dragon Age 2 before Inquisition, although no one cares about those games in comparison to Mass Effect's fandom, right? right. Dragon Age is a popular series. Some people, they, that is not Mass Effect by any stretch of the imagination. They seem like it is leaving money on the table, but it also just makes sense, especially if you want Andromeda to connect to the old trilogy, which they should in which some way. Which, yeah, plan. that's this my is, whole this theory. This is the, the egg you're trying to hatch over here. Yeah, that's my whole theory, is that you'll end up back in the Milky Way and some time-bending weird fucking shit going on at yeah. the end of that trilogy, but assuming it's a trilogy. And it probably will be. Um, so I respect what he's saying here. They do make new games, and they, we'll have more about them because IGN had quite a, a few conversations with people at EA, and, and they said a lot of interesting things. But why not just re-release Mass Effect? Like, I, I, I respect that you don't want you know the Sleeping Dogs or the Tomb Raider Definitive Edition, like all this stuff that's just... You know, pooped out for no real yeah. reason, but there's context needed here, and we haven't had a mass. You know, the original Mass Effect game by the time Andromeda comes out would have been almost ten years old. So, I'm not a huge supporter of remasters, 
but this remaster makes a lot of sense to me and i 100 percent believe it's gonna happen. this is back though to the tammy timmy tommy situation uh, with the fallouts it's like what where where do you release this now where these three giant rpgs don't eat into mass effect andromeda summer and they don't well the upcoming was coming we're still saying it's coming on fall right yeah that's not enough time i think it's plenty of time mm-hmm. july mm-hmm. no july august release this is the literally game. the argument for fallout that we're having then I'm just like, I think you lose people. I think you, you it, uh, right now, it's kind of like the way we're all in this fever pitch frenzy for Fallout 4 right now. That's all any of us want to play. You know what I mean? What's going on over here? What's going on behind me? What? I, stop, I'm, I'm you, trying to see my shorts. In stop the, it. In the, stop the, it. Just stop. Because they're bothering me a little bit. Stop it. Um, like, you don't want people to, like, people are so, are so freaking out about Fallout because they haven't had a Fallout in a while. And I don't think you want to, like, that fire you want to keep stoking. And I think just having... A new Mass Effect that's all great and it's amazing and it's done all these things. And I think it also, even though you're playing to the hypothetical future that they tie back into it, they're going to have to try to stress the message that it doesn't, that it is its own thing too. Yeah, and it's important, but I still, I still, I don't think that Fallout and Mass Effect are comparable. Fallout's a, a world and Mass Effect's a story. So mm-hmm. it's not to say Fallout doesn't have stories, it's to say I that you, you have no reason to play Fallout 3 or New Vegas to understand Fallout 4's story. There's sure. no reason. You know, it's in a totally different place with totally different characters. But that's what they want you to feel about this one, too. Maybe. But I still feel like the reason that you're in Andromeda will have some relevance to what the Reapers did to the Milky Way. And therefore, there will be a connection. If they don't even talk about that connection or the connection is unknown to the people in Andromeda. In other words, there's a lot of st- there's a lot of what ifs. The, the, the mass relays and the mass effect itself, the small M and small E mass effect, the ability to travel between these systems that technology presumably is in Andromeda. This is clearly going to connect back to the original games. Yeah. Like, so I just feel like, I don't know. I still think it's going to happen. I, I would not surprise me, but I, it's, an, it's definitely an interesting quote coming from him. He would know if they were working on it. Sure. And granted again, yeah, the confusion but, of a remastered versus remake. Exactly. Like the words are real confusing. Number eight, according to marketing firm, Nuzu, China will outgross Nuzu. every other country in terms of money spent on games. The country will eclipse the United States in overall spending with $22.23 billion in total revenue from games compared to the United States, $21.96 billion in total revenue. It's worth noting that China has a population over four times that of the United States, making its per capita spending paltry compared to the U.S. and other Western nations, even when taking into account what news who terms a country's Internet population, which is $740 million for China and $290 million in the U.S. The top 10 spenders on games worldwide other than China and the U.S. are in order. Japan, South Korea, Germany, Japan. the UK, France, Canada, Spain, and Italy. Step it up, Canada. There's not many of them up there. I know. I'm not even sure it's a real country. We were talking about this earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been there many times, but I still don't know if I've actually ever been there. Um, they could be flying me anywhere. I could land in Toronto area. or wherever, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, welcome to Toronto, and I'm in, like, North Dakota. Um, now, I found that interesting just to share understand much of that money is not developed is not does not come from core gaming especially in china mm-hmm. number nine number nine why does ea generally lack big action games open world games and the like and why do they? in a conversation with ign ea's evp of ea studios patrick soderland said quote if you look at the biggest segment in our industry which is action we don't have a lot ea is not known to make gigantic action games like assassin's creed or batman or gta or those types of games that are really big the strategic direction that we put in motion is to expand our portfolio more into that segment to see what we can bring to gamers that maybe hasn't been done before. End quote. IGN's Mitch Dyer, friend of ours, pressed Sutherland on if that might mean that its new studio, Motive, headed by Ubisoft alum Jade Raymond, would be filling in the void in the catalog. And he said this, quote, 
Maybe I'm not suggesting we're going to go after GTA and sell 50 million units. We would love to. But what I'm saying is those types of absolutely AAA big productions is what we want to do. And I think for us to do that, we need the right people. You need a leadership and people that have done this in the best way they've done it. And they've done it in the best and they've done it successfully in the in the past. Sorry about that. That coupled with a large ambition to invest in new IP, we want to. We're building a lot of new IPs today, but we want to invest more money into new IP, end quote. It's interesting talking to a publisher or getting word from a publisher that they want to invest in new IP, which is antithetical to the way that they act, especially yeah. EDA. So, um, yeah, he's trying to change it. They're trying to change it. Yeah, but they... they Yarny. They, yeah, well, that's not what... I mean, that's great. Yarny, Yarny's fantastic, but... This is this, this is the company that insists on releasing a sixty dollar Madden, a sixty dollar NHL, a sixty dollar FIFA, a sixty dollar NBA game, like a sixty dollar golf game, sure. over and over and over and over again. Um, so it's cool to hear that they're, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that they should still make these games in the platforms. I think gamers are getting ripped off by the, at this point. But but you understand, um, of course, the economics of the situation yeah, and absolutely. the fact that it's the Ubisoft argument just not spelled out. People are buying these, so why would we change what we're mm-hmm. doing? That's the whole thing. Vote with your wallet again. Yeah, although it's hard when this is it's more complicated than that because on me. they ha- they don't have any competition in the NHL arena anymore. Mm-hmm. They have a complete lock on NFL games. Yep. So there can be no competition. Um, their NBA game, no one buys. Uh, so I mean, there's there it it differs from the game from game to game, but I do think it's a fallacy to say that people buy people would buy other products if they were available let's never forget i think it was M- or nfl 2k5 which was twenty dollars yeah in the helmet came and they did sega did very well with that mm-hmm. um without competition ea is never gonna be forced to change there could be competition in the nhl that just there isn't um but so i think it's a little more complicated than that personally well i think that's the problem with every situation we talk about it's more complicated than we boil it down to uh you, ladies and gentlemen, are a big part of this show. So if you go to kindoffunny.com slash PSQ, you can leave a question to get into this show, just like my dad as a plumber did. Why do you think gamers don't have the, quote, fortitude, as Colin says, to boycott games? Gamers pushing back is supposed to represent the other side of the free market, but it rarely, if ever, happens. I mean, if a homeowner buys a tool that breaks right away, they don't buy that brand anymore. It's as simple as that. Gamers have such trouble with this concept. My theory is that the hardcore gaming audience tends to self-select for people that get enthusiastic and hyped very easily, and somehow a flashy trailer seems to erase all the hate and bile gamers were spewing just a short time ago. What do you think? I think this is a perfect question to go into this one if it's a more complicated situation than not. I think the majority of it, when you talk about like you know the fortitude to skip out mm-hmm. on Mass Effect, you hated Mass Effect 3's ending, but you're still gonna you're still super excited about Andromeda. You're gonna buy Andromeda. You you know you don't have the fortitude to do it. Is the fact that I think we all exist in a world of hyperbole, where I hated the end of Mass Effect 3. It was ter- you didn't like it. You know what I mean? It wasn't what you wanted to see, but it wasn't it didn't ruin the experience for you. But you went online and you yelled at people and you acted like an asshole and all a bunch of asshole friends did the same thing and you know yelled at a bunch of developers and people trying to make the game and made, made them feel like shit because you didn't think about how many fucking hours of their lives went into it, taking them away from their family and putting their vision onto this disc to make for it. But in reality, your hate wasn't real hate. It isn't like when people... Fucking, it came off like it, though. Sure. And that's the thing. is what I'm and this Maybe that's the bad example. But I'm saying like in terms of the people who are yeah, we used- so mad about Mass Effect 3 but still going to buy a drama, it's because... They didn't really hate the end. Well, we all do that. We all we all talk in, in platitudes and 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 boil things down a little too simply. I loved this. I liked this. Yep. Like, well, do you really love it? Do you really even like it? Uh, we 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 struggle with that. And so I think that uh, 
it is difficult. It is funny as hell with Mass Effect Andromeda because I knew in my heart, even back when people were bitching and whining and moaning about Mass Effect 3's ending, which was fine, by the way, it was a fine ending, uh, that um, EA doesn't care. They're just going to wait you out. They're going to make another Mass Effect game in the future, inevitably, and you're going to go buy it. Right. And that's all they care about. Period. So it's funny the way it all works out. If we had a little more, like I say, testicular fortitude, uh, we would be able to collectively change more things in this industry, but we do not have the testicular fortitude, mostly because we ourselves don't have it, and also because we have to realize that when we talk about games and we talk about how Mass Effect 3's ending was bad, blah, 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 you know, or like w- whatever it is, it's like you're not speaking for the vast majority of people Small that play the game. Small minority people are talking. Most of the people that played Mass Effect 3 not only liked the ending, most of the pe- people that played Mass Effect 3 undoubtedly had no idea that this was even, this argument was even raging at all. And if they did, they wouldn't care. Sure. So now, I that's- apply that same argument to the sports games. This is, I was talking uh, last night on uh, the Rooster Teeth Entertainment System show, and it's a conversation you and I have had at both on camera and off camera about the D- DLC arguments, right? I feel the argument we're talking right now in terms of sports, the sports argument of like, well, you know, EA keeps putting these games out, but it's not as simple as, you know, there's no competition. There's other things happening. I think it is the same boat as DLC, where I think the people who aren't affected by these decisions are the ones who have a lot to say about it. And then in the end, they don't matter because they're not even part of the economics of the situation i think colin hates the batman dlc and talk and like how it was set up and all these different things i bought it and i'm fine with it you know what i mean and like where does that balance out same thing with sports games we can get all up these games as asses about it and like i guess nhl you do play madden i play too and it's like but we also get those copies for free as part of reviews Mm -hmm. and all these different things there's plenty of people going out and putting down their 60 dollars and saying yeah great I want this and I want the better physics engine and this, that, and the other, and this thing. It's not just a roster update. If those people, if your core audience was affected, if I was so, if I didn't want the Batman DLC I was getting or thought that I'd be getting what I'm getting, if I was buying Madden every year and I was unhappy with Madden every year, if I withdrew my money, if the core people, if the actual audience withdrew their money, that'd be things. But there's the actual audience and then there's a peanut gallery surrounding it. And I think that's the problem. Yeah, I think that uh, I mean, there's a point to be made there as well. Again, I don't think that I think it's a little bit apples to oranges. I think the, the Batman Arkham Knight thing did create a huge stir. Madden games don't. But it was a huge stir in our echo chamber. Yeah, in our echo chamber. But the like there, this is a. How do I word this? Mass Effect 3's ending wasn't a big deal to normal everyday people I think that were reading or writing on websites I don't think it was I think it was a sh- as, as it was a small thing that happened on Bioware's forums and blah 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 and it got blown out of proportion I think the Arkham Knight thing started the second that they announced the Arkham Knight DLC before anyone even played it and to the point where they have to actually reveal all the things that are going on so again I, I think it's a, I don't think you're necessarily wrong I just think it's a case by case basis mm-hmm. I, I think that people buy Madden because they have no choice you know I think they buy Madden because they like Madden I think they like Madden too but they have no choice they have no choice there's no choice they either don't buy Madden or they buy Madden. There's no other choice. But that's a choice. You no, can be there's, like there's every, not a, cho- every not a year choice. It's a roster update, so I'm not going to buy it. I mean, that's, that's not, that's not a choice. The point is, is that there could be a game X, game Y, game Z, <laughs> and one of these games would have to change. Or, but like when there's no competition in the market, there's no reason to. This is why I have a huge problem with like IP monopoly and stuff like that. I think that is this is a, this is a huge problem. The NFL does this. Mm-hmm. They do it with they do it with Madden. They do it with fucking Directv. They do it with everything. And there's no choice. You know. The only difference is the people that are, are, are beholden to direct TV to watch football are suing them, you know, because the, the monopoly is all fucked up. So it's I, I do think that there's there's uh, it's a little different. I'm looking at my email because MPDs just came through. Okay. So we're going to we're going to have a Pivot. yeah. Pivot. Or is this um, topic of the week? No, this isn't topic of the week. I mean, topic of the show. 
This isn't topic of the show either. Is it tots? Tots? No, it's not. I wrote tots. It's different. All right. So September's sales. This is from eight thirty through ten three. So August thirtieth through October third, and these surprise me. Ooh. Top selling game number one: NBA Two K sixteen. Interesting. PS4, Xbox One, 360, PS3 in that order. Remember, if you read MPDs and parentheses next to every game, there'll be the platforms that is in the order of the platforms sold. So PS4 was the best selling one. Number two, Madden, NFL 16. PS4, Xbox One, 360, PS3. Number three, Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain. Can we can we interject while we already want to get yeah, to yeah, numbers? That's- I find the Madden one interesting because you and I were talking about like what we keep talking right now about Assassin's Creed, Halo, where are the hype for these games? I thought the same thing about Madden this year. Where was the hype? I didn't see anybody talking about Madden. I didn't see that many commercials for Madden. It's an interesting number. It is. I'm interested that Metal Gear is not number one. Mm-hmm. Metal Gear is number three, and Metal Gear was counted the entire release of Metal Gear for the first month, based on the dates. Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain, PS4, Xbox One, PS3, 360. FIFA 16 is number four, PS4, Xbox One, 360, PS3. Destiny, The Taken King is number five. That's Xbox One, PS4, 360, mm-hmm. PS3. Number six, Super Mario Maker on Wii U. Number seven, Dis- Disney Infinity 3.0 on 360. Wii U, Xbox One, PS4, PS3. Mad Max, number eight. Congratulations to them. PS4 and Xbox One. Number nine, NHL 16. Xbox One, PS4, 360, PS3. And number 10, Minecraft, which almost got bounced, but wow. not quite. No, holding on. Won't let go. Three, it will probably be bounced out now. Well, maybe not, though, because of the holidays. 360 PS3, Xbox One, PS4. Where's that Vita? Um, let me just look real quick to see. Overall, this is what they say. Liam Callahan from the MPD group. Quote, leading up to the fourth quarter, year-to-date spending across hardware, new physical software, and accessories is relatively flat, down by a slight 1%. With a strong lineup of software releases, a PS4 price drop, and compelling hardware bundles, as well as new players in the interactive gaming toy space, I am expecting a positive 2015 holiday season. Um, quote, despite the 20% increase in accessory sales, I don't care about that hardware quote, as an indication of positive momentum heading into the fourth quarter, the majority of hardware platforms increased their sales from August 2015 to September 2015 when comparing sales on a week on a per week basis, all eighth generation console experiences, double experience, double digit growth when compared sales on a at week on a per week basis, rather quote, after 23 months on the market, combined PS4 and Xbox one sales are 40% higher than the combined 23 month totals for PS3 and 360. So they're still beating them. Wow. Um, software. Nothing too interesting here. So that's it. MPD. Okay. What do you take away? Biggest story is uh, Metal Gear. Yeah, I think that is the biggest story. Yeah. Um, Metal Gear. I'm sure did very well. Of course. Uh, but it really does show you the the. I was excited to see the MPD group because they thought for sure, counting the entire cycle of Metal Gear's first month, that it would obviously be number one. I don't even know, um, that both those games were out the entire cycle either. So. Actually, they weren't. NBA, no. Uh, so that's incredible to me. That game is fucking huge. Yeah. I mean, basketball's huge. All right, next story. Story proper. Where's the window? Story proper. There it is. Ropers Report Prime. Number 10. Is you play dead? Oh, God, I hope so. I One can only hope, that. but it may just be replaced by something else. Oh, geez. Ubisoft is introduced via a video, Ubisoft Club. A rewards program is reported by Polygon that will launch later this year. According to Polygon, quote, the club is a cross-platform service that offers players the chance to earn experience, experience, 
experience badges and Ubisoft's unit currency while playing the publisher's games like access to betas as well as Ubisoft store discounts and quote as Polygon points out the trailer was uploaded from Uplay's YouTube account what could it mean why does Uplay need a YouTube account get out of here everybody hates you Uplay You're I know everyone, and everyone's gonna hate this too surprise surprise Ubisoft everyone no one wants to spot, sign in your proprietary can't bullshit can't remember my fucking my email or my password I cares pop, oh, wait, so alone. fucking annoying I don't get it just leave us the fuck alone. I don't care when I unlock the Uplay achievement. I really don't. I promise. Yeah. Number 11. The Star Wars Battlefront beta was a smash hit for EA and DICE. As of October 12th, more than 9 million people logged in to try the beta across the platform. It was, platforms it was available on. Quote, that makes this the single largest beta in the history of EA. We cannot be happier that so many of you wanted to come in and get a small taste of what our passionate team has been working on. End quote. That is according to Sigurlina Ingvar's daughter. I think in- Ingvar's daughter. The game senior producer. A strong name for a strong person. I-N-G-V-A-R-S-D-O-T-T-I-R. I did the best I could. Number 12. Speaking of Star Wars Battlefront, developer DICE has confirmed that the game will not support private matches at launch, which is surprising to me. This news comes by way of EA's Star Wars Twitter account, which responded to an inquiring gamer. This comes in addition to the lack of in-game dedicated chat for Battlefront, which DICE also recently discussed. No private games. That's interesting. How big can my party be? Do you know? Depends. That'd be the thing. On the match or the, or the, the mode. Yeah. Number 13. Lots of JRPG fans are excited about the return of Nier with Nier 2, which means news that it's being developed in its entirety by Platinum Games and not Square Enix may come as a surprise. In a conversation with GameSpot, Yasuhisa Tora, a designer of the game, noted that, quote, yes, the development is mostly taking place here at Platinum in Osaka and in our Tokyo office. But we are, of course, getting help from Square Enix and the composer of the original game is back to make new music. Also, the character design is being done by Akihiko Yoshida, who works on side designation. So we are borrowing people from other companies, but the majority of development is being done here. So maybe I shouldn't say entirety, but the majority of the majority, development is being done overwhelming. Here. End quote. This surprised me and, and concerns me. And we talked about this on, on Colin and Greg Live. Platinum Games is getting stretched too thin. Yep. Now, I want to do a little thought exercise with you, if I may. I'm going to open you up. May. I'm going to open up on my laptop here. Platinum Games Wikipedia page. And then I'm going to open up Metacritic. And then you're going to open up your bank account. So Mad World, let's let's start with Mad World and Bayonetta, right? The sure. first two games. Mad World. I are you fucking kidding me? An iOS game? No, that's not what I'm looking for, obviously. Really? PSN love you XOXO. Mad World Metacritic oh, yeah. Wii. Go there we go. PlayStation 4. All right, so Mad World's Metacritic is an 81. Okay? Oh, it's cuz I didn't intercap it. Bayonetta Seems low for Metro. Is, let's see, a 90. Okay. Vanquish. We're going up. My favorite one. Is an 84. Anarchy Reigns. 73. Or 71, depending on the platform. Revengeance. 80, between 82 and 83. The Wonderful 101. We're back on the upswing here, Carl. 78. Oh. Bayonetta 2. Upswing big time. 91. Yeah. The Legend of Korra. Uh-oh. 62 Ooh. and 67. Transformers Devastation. 74 and 76. So what you have here, the last two games they've released are amongst their lowest rated games. Cumulatively. I'm not yep. saying they're good or bad. That's yep, just yep, a cumulative yep. algorithmic 
approach that Metacritic takes. Now they're developing Project Guard still for Wii U, Star Fox Zero, Scalebound, and Near with what was last reported about a year ago is 171 employees. Let's say they scale up to 200. We've talked about this before on Colin yeah. and Greg. They're doing way too much for a studio that size in my in my mind. Here's a question. And I'm concerned for them because their, la- their last two games down. Here's my thing though. Listen to those Metacritic. And again, it's just Metacritic. It's a combination. Da, 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 da. Were they ever great? Was it that Vanquish like was a standout that, you know, did they get lucky in a couple of these games? You know what I mean? That's the question. Like, I don't, you know, you look Maybe. back. I thought Mad World would have been higher than 82 on Metacritic. You know what I mean? Like, I remember Mad World being a thing. Now, granted, it was because we people were desperate for a thing. But, like, I remember everyone being stoked for that. And I guess then Vanquish and then, yeah, sure. Yeah, Vanquish is awesome. In. Anarchy Reigns, no good. Yeah. It was fine. I don't, again, platitudes. It was yeah. fine. Wonderful 101, I thought would be better than a 78. Bayonetta 2, obviously people love. The Legend of Korra, people didn't like. Transformers, doesn't seem like people like that much. Project Guard, I don't really know anything about. Star Fox Zero looks bad. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be any good, but it looks like shit. Yeah. Um, your assumption is that it might not score extremely well. We'll see. Agreed. Scalebound certainly didn't run well when we saw it running at whatever the fuck it was, but it's very early. Near, I don't know. What I'm saying is that they're doing too many games. Yeah. This, this is striking me as what I'm going to now term and coin... Uh, the Telltale Games syndrome, okay, where you take on way too many games. But I, I don't think that I don't think that one holds water because you don't like the uh, Telltale Engine. Sure, it's the game still. Have Does anyone like running. Telltale's Engine? Yeah, a lot of people who buy those games they and like they Telltale's Engine too. Yeah, the ones that like eat your saves and run at like ten frames a second on Vita and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they like those the, engines. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Those two horrible things you've called out are the things they like. Yeah, mm, interesting. But so I mean, check the Metacritic on that. You can see what's happening with. No, no I don't. I don't doubt that. I mean, and again, yeah, that's a good point. Well, if we use Metacritic as the as the, as the that's, aggregator, that's the barometer I'm putting on. The table. Uh, I mean, I think I think Telltale Games is in my mind wildly overrated based on the the the, the views I've seen into their into their games. They're making the same game over and over again, mm. um, and their engine from the last I checked didn't work. So I mean, I remember I gave up even following them when game, on Game of Thrones. I think Episode One came out, and on PC it was just like eating people's saves. I'm like, fix your fucking engine. Mm-hmm. At some point, when you ha- like, maybe you shouldn't put it on every fucking platform. Don't put your game on Vita if it doesn't run. You know? Yeah. Like the I played Walking Dead season one on Vita a little bit, and I and it was like it would just freeze and like stop and stutter between scenes. I'm like, just don't put it on Vita then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, ugh. They that that, that studio actually annoys me. Like just based on like that, they're getting away with it. You know? Yeah. Like I, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. People should have a better expectation. Like make a game. Make your game, but make your game that works. You know what I mean? Like that's not a sure. unreasonable thing to say. Like when people are getting their saves eaten, it's just unacceptable. But it's one of those have they already listened? I mean, you're talking about very specific instances, and I'm not not that they don't li- work or every, but like Game of Thrones, Tales from the Borderlands, Minecraft, right? Aren't on. They're shitting these games out so quick, Greg, that you played Tales of the Borderlands on PlayStation Four, and there was a screen with Xbox prompts on it. True. So. You know, like it's not like they're not they haven't cleaned up the act. I don't think. You know, in my opinion. Anyway, I wanted to point out the the platinum games uh, thing just to illustrate my point for better or for worse. Yeah. I don't know if people agree or not. I just think that this studio is on the decline, and I want to see how Scalebound specifically turns out because Scalebound is the big one. Uh, Star Fox doesn't look very good. Star Fox looks like it's fifteen years old. Yeah, straight up. It looks yeah, it looks like an N sixty four. Um, the Wii U can do way better than that. The Wii U is not a powerful system. It can do way better than that. The PS3 could do way better than that. Mm-hmm. There's no textures. There's no. There's, it's just, it's just, I have no idea what no, they When I saw that game, I was like, you, no have definition. Be, you have got to be kidding me. Yeah. Like, this is the one you're toiling away on over there? Well, yeah. All right. 
and they're working on that with conjunction with Nintendo. We don't want to blame them for that completely, but they are the they are the middle over the game. Sure. Number fourteen, Witcher Three has been such a runaway success that it's still surprising those at developer CD Projekt Red. In a conversation with MCV visual effects artist Jose Teixeira said, "Quote: We are still amazed at how many people played The Witcher Three because it's a game style that is usually reserved for hardcore audiences. People actually loved it, especially more in the casual audience, which we were really impressed with." Ellipsis. If anything, The Witcher 3 proved the point that players are more interested in longer games. Now, especially you hear so many people talking about how the AAA games industry is there and nobody wants to experience that experience anymore. And here you go. A nice, well-written single-player experience. There's no multiplayer. There's no microtransactions. You get a game, you play the game, and you enjoy the game, and it's a great success, end quote. I liked that quote and just wanted to share with people. I have nothing else to really say about it. I don't know if you do, but... I don't, but you know who does, Colin? Mm. Morris, nine. He went to kindoffunny.com slash PSQ and says, Greetings, Colin and Greg. Greetings. At the release of The Witcher 3, I was overwhelmed by the dense game world and the number of objectives to complete. This led to me putting the game down until recently. I gave the game a second chance and discovered how great it is. I was wondering if you guys have ever given up on a game only to rediscover its potential later. If so, what game and what was the reason for giving up and trying a second time? Thanks, Michael. P.S. I think I love you. So what am I afraid of? Oh, what's your example? I don't know. I've been thinking about it for a while in terms of like, I feel like it's always, I don't know. I don't have a good one of like, I, I, I put it down. I was like, Oh, this isn't, you know, this doesn't work for me. Ones that took a while to get their hooks in me though, I guess, which I I don't, cause I don't think of like one I put down and picked up, you know, months and months later, but hooks in you, like for sure. Bioshock at first didn't click for me. Like I remember playing Bioshock and be like, everybody loves this, but why? And I, Playing the beginning, I don't really, and then eventually it was like, okay, here now I'm I'm in it now. You know what I mean? I think it was it was literally one of those where I went to bed and woke up the next day and enjoyed it. Whereas the first time I was like, what's happening? But that was also a thing of expectations. Mm-hmm. People had already been saying, Charles had already reviewed it. People were already talking about how amazing this game was. And so when you sit down with that hanging over your head, Uncharted Three syndrome, you got to start looking for it. And it is, it is amazing. Yeah, it's a great game. One of the greats. Um. I don't know. I mean, there are games that I've gone back to much later, um, for better or for worse. I don't. I, I will say that to the conversation earlier in the podcast that Dragon Quest Heroes is one of those games that not necessarily that I'm walking away from going back later, but I'm trying to give a fair shake now so that I do not have that situation. Sure. So I just know. I just know that it's not for me, and I can move on with my fucking life, um, as opposed to having this like lingering doubt my back Maybe in the back I didn't of my give head. Give it enough time. Um, so I mean, like, what what is an example of a game that I went back to later? I'm not. I I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that's good. You're thorough with your games, Colin. I try to be. Yeah, but I'm sure there's an example. Uh, developing news. Uh, Jeff Grubb over at VentureBeat confirms that PlayStation 4 has outsold Xbox One in September. That MPD talks about software and hardware sales cumulatively, but does not often talk about what's going on with hardware. That's up to the the publishers to release that information. Uh, he writes, Sony's winning streak continued last month. The company has confirmed that the PlayStation 4 outsold its Xbox One and Wii U competition in the U.S. last month. According to data from industry tracking from the MPD group, PS4 has now outsold Xbox One every month in 2015, except for April. And Sony's looking to maintain that momentum as we head into the holidays. Uh, Sony's statement says, quote, as we kick off the holiday season, we would like to take a moment to thank fans for making PlayStation 4 the best-selling console and number one in software sales in September. PlayStation 4 was the number one console for NBA 2K16, Madden NFL 16, Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain, and FIFA 16. Including the highly successful limited edition console bundle, PS4 also led retail sales for Destiny: The Taken King. Which, wait, what? Including the highly successful limited edition console bundle. Okay, so that's interesting. That's why Xbox One won uh, over at PS4 on Destiny 
Taken King is because it doesn't include the bundle. Gotcha. If you include the bundle, PS4 wins. The quote continues, it was also a very strong month for PlayStation Network, with September being the highest grossing month in PlayStation Store history. Damn. From PlayStation exclusives like the recently launched Uncharted Collection to partnerships with Call of Duty, Black Ops 3, and Star Wars Battlefront, we are committed to our community, blah, blah, blah. And that one, the PSN, that's got to be Taken King, right? That's huge. Whatever, it, yeah, pr- presumably, and that's fucking huge. Yeah. PSN uh, is, uh, the PSN as we know it is, oh God, nine years old in November. So mm-hmm. that's a significant amount of time. And uh, it seems like they are doing very well. Yeah, because you remember when they were talking about sales uh, for the PSN, when they put those up, it was Destiny and then it was Metal Gear. Right. Yeah. Number 15. Number 15, everybody. Getting close. Guillermo del Toro, Guillermo del Toro. is still mad about Konami's cancellation of Silent Hill. It's Good. a project he was undertaking with Hideo Kojima, which we talked about at the beginning of the show. Talking with the website Bloody Disgusting, which focuses on horror. Nah. Here's what Del Toro had to say, quote, we had a great experience and had great story sessions with hundreds upon hundreds of designs. Some of the stuff that we were designing for Silent Hills I've seen in games that came after, like The Last of Us, which makes me think we were not wrong. We were going in the right direction. The thing with Kojima and Silent Hills is that I thought we could do some some really remarkable, we could do a really remarkable game and really go for the jugular ellipsis. We were hoping to actually create some sort of panic with some of the devices we were talking about, and it really is a shame that it's not happening. When you ask me how things operate, that makes no fucking sense at all. That that game is not happening. It makes no fucking sense at all that game is not happening. It makes no fucking sense at all. End quote. I agree. I'm over it at this point. I know we're all over it, but it's still like, you know, it's, it's you figure uh, for this game in terms of FaceTime and namesake, right? It, it, the Kojima and Guillermo are two sides of the same coin. And so in the absence of Kojima being able to say anything, anytime somebody who's disconnected to is able to talk about it, whether it's him or Redis, you want to hear something. And uh, I mean, fans feel hung out to dry on that one because they were so excited for it. You know what I mean? That was such a great demo. PT was awesome. And what that would have ended up being in the real game, who knows? But based on that, I would have loved to have seen it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we won't. Well, you mean not, not, not Silent Hills. Maybe, though, they come together and make a horror movie. We'll find out. Game. Number 16. As always, we'll end with some game announcements and release date information. Role-playing game The Witch and the Hundred Night Revival Edition will come to PS4 on March 1st. That came to PS3 about a couple years ago. Dino Dinis, or Dino Dinies, I don't know. Kickoff Revival will come to PlayStation 4 and PS Vita in 2016. <laughs> Multiplayer sandbox game Astraya? Astraya, I think it is. A-S-T-R-A-E-A. I wish it was Astraya. Astraya. There's like a question mark there. We'll come to PS4 in early 2016. Action RPG Divinity Original Sin Enhanced Edition comes to PS4 on October 27th. Styx Master of Shadows is getting a sequel and will launch in 2016. Roguelike Darkest Dungeon is PS4 and Vita bound on January 19th, 2016. Dying Light's major expansion pack, the following, will launch in the first quarter of 2016. Yakuza 5's PS4 release in the West is rumored to happen in mid-November, though there's some confusion about that, so stay tuned clarification later interesting and as a brief aside the first trailer for the upcoming ratchet and clank animated feature film is now out and can be watched online you loved it you said i didn't watch it you said it made you go pre-order your tickets for it no i didn't say that you said you you said out of my way star wars i gotta see what this robot and lombax are up to Mm. Mm. that's it for the news colin if i wanted to know what had come to stores in the old mom and pop grop shop where would i go the upcoming list of playstation 4 playstation PlayStation 4 and PlayStation Vita software by the kind of funny co-founders. It's it's an interesting week. Yeah. Here's what you can find. Lay it on me. 
Adventure Time Finn and Jake Investigations comes to PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4 digitally and at retail. Easy trophies. What time is it? Game time? It's time to crack a case. Adventure Time Finn and Jake Investigations is an all-new story-driven graphic adventure game. Okay, cool. All right. Arcade Archives Cosmo Police Galavan comes to PS4 digitally. Cosmo Police Galavan is an action game that was released by Nichibutsu in 1985. Players transform into Galavan to destroy the criminal organization Aku. All right. Assassin's Creed Syndicate comes to PlayStation 4 digitally and at retail, and this is a Friday release. The game you forgot about. I feel that's like, the collective. I, f- you. I feel like no one cares about that's this the game. collective. You. Yes. Yeah. London 1868. The Industrial Revolution unleashes an age of invention, transforming the lives of millions with technologies once thought impossible. But industrialization only fattens the purposes, the purses of a privileged few, while workers struggle to survive in the factories that make London the beating heart of the global economy until an assassin rallies to their defense. Oi! This is my favorite one. Code Realize Guardians, Guardian singular, of Rebirth on PS Vita, digital and retail. Play as Cardia, a beautiful young woman whose poisonous touch means imminent death, and unravel the secrets of her past with the help of five charming guys. Okay. <laughs> Forced comes to PS4 digitally. Forced is a challenging one. Nope. Forced is a challenging one to four player. It says ah. it's, it has a space after the dash. I don't know what that means. I thought it was like a, a pause. Sure, sure, sure. So let me start again. Sure. Forced is a challenging one to four player co-op action RPG with puzzle and tactical elements. You are cast as slaves in the toughest fantasy gladiator school of them all. Condemned to fight to the death all while attempting to win your freedom. I didn't realize that there were multiple fantasy gladiator schools so and this many. is the toughest oh my one. god there's so many dude guitar hero live comes to ps3 and ps4 retail this is one game two ways to play the first mode guitar hero live lets you rock real reactive live action crowds and delivers the full emotional roller coaster of being on stage which i doubt the second mode ghtv is the world's first playable music video network that lets you play along to official music videos and compete against friends that sounds fun it was it is um it's funny that this is retail only. It cannot be digital. Yeah. Never thought of that. Hasbro Family Fun Pack comes to PS4 digitally and retail. Hasbro Family Fun Pack is a brand new compilation of endless fun. Is it really? I feel like I've played 8 million Hasbro Family Fun Have you fun ever packs. run out of fun with them, though? No. Thank you. Family game nights have been reinvented, providing hours of entertainment what with four classic titles. I don't know. Monopoly Plus is the picture shown. I don't know. Okay. Just Dance 2016 comes to PS3 and PS4 digitally and retail. No camera, no problem. No additional hardware is required. Download the Just Dance controller app to your iOS or Android device to turn your smartphone into a controller to play up to six players. So additional hardware is actually required. (laughs) Oregon Trail Complete Edition, which I'm excited about, and I think you are too, comes to PS4 and Vita Digital Cross-Buy. Oregon Trail is a retro uh, zombie survival game. Travel westward in a station wagon with four of your friends scavenging for supplies and fending off the undead. I do wish it was just Oregon Trail. Well, that's what I told you. When I woke up on Sunday and I I went and looked at it, I got really excited. I was like, oh, Oregon Trail is coming to Vita? Yeah. And then I read it close, more closely. Yeah. And it was not Oregon Trail. It is Oregon, Oregon, O-R-G-A-N Trail. Zombies and stuff. iOS game. Overlord Fellowship of Evil comes to PS4 digitally. It says, step into the warped fantasy world of Overlord Fellowship of Evil, the dark and twisted action RPG filled with the series' signature black humor. Oh. I didn't know that it had a signature black Me humor. Me neither. Pocket Gods versus Desert Ashes comes to PS4 and PS Vita, and I like Desert Ashes. This is digital and cross-buy. It says, Luke Bernard and Nine Tails Digital brings you a new spin on their popular Desert Ashes turn-based strategy game, guest starring a powerful pygmy army defending their territory. Okay. Desert Ashes is on Vita. It's pretty good. Is it? Yeah. What is it? It's like a turn-based strategy RPG. Okay. 
It's not great, but it's good. Good. Primal Carnage Extinction Extinction comes to PS4 digitally from Circle 5 Studios and Panic Button comes an unusual class-based online multiplayer shooter that pits dinosaurs against people in Primal Carnage Extinction. And finally, last but certainly not least, Tales of Zestiria comes to PS4 and PS3 digital and at retail. Two nations fight for supremacy and the fate of the realm lies in the hands of Sori, an inquisitive young adventurer who takes on the burden of becoming the shepherd. The one the legends foretold would become the savior of all. So it is a Japanese role-playing game for sure. And I'll be jumping into it soon and I'll have some opinions for you next week on PS I Love You XOXO. Good. That's it. Thanks for taking my advice. I've been a big Tales fan for a while. So you're picking it up now and actually getting into a little bit. Absolute fucking passion. Pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you're going to enjoy yourself, I think. I hate you. I love you. (laughs) Colin. Yes. Time for topic of the show. Tots, 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 tots. Now, this is one you've been cooking for a while. Yeah. You walked over to your slow cooker last week and you tossed in this idea Mm -hmm. about catching up with the first parties. Sure. I like to do this. Explain it to me. I feel like on PS I Love You XOXO, we have a mandate from the audience. I thought and we had the, like a mandate like we were going out. No, not a oh, mandate. Okay. A mandate. One word. Sure, sure. And that mandate is to inform them and educate them as much as possible, right? That's our charge, right? We, we're here to entertain. A lot of our audience knows a lot about PlayStation. A lot of our audience doesn't. Yeah. And um, I figured we would go through the first party studios and just catch up with them real quick. See what sure. they're doing. Just to throw it out there and put it all on the line because what, so what's always to your point is the fact that we don't know what a lot of these motherfuckers are doing right we everyone wants to talk about this holidays being weak for playstation but they're doing fine with all these third-party deals and whatnots we and even next year you're looking ahead outside of maybe naughty dog and gorilla we really don't know what a lot of people are up to exactly and i figure it would just be interesting to go through the 11 studios that sony owns that i put on this list now this studio does not this doesn't include like pixel opus is an internal studio Technically, we don't really know anything about them. I do not count them as a first-party studio. They're Did, the guys that made Entwined, for sure. instance. Uh, uh, well, what they were on the I, I was pop- popping in when we were doing this because I had a couple. Que- There's a question from a reader that it was I pulled for this one as well later on. Mm. But in there, I looked at the Wikipedia. They're also the Wikipedia is now co- counting this Northwest Studio. Yeah, Northwest Studio is not counted on here either because we've not seen their first game yet. We gotcha. don't know anything about them. They're gotcha. making VR games. Just making sure we're on the same page. Um, so I just want to be clear that this is first party. This is not second party. This is not third party. So. We will get in the second party later. So if you think in the second party, think of like Q Games, Insomniac, Quantic Dream. Clap Hands, Quantic Dream, um, Housemark, uh, etc. These are studios that work closely with Sony but are owned independently. They make PlayStation exclusive games typically, but they are not owned by Sony. We're talking about own, Sony owned studios. This also doesn't include like Foster City Studio, which is a sports studio, um, the Ice Initiative, which is nothing that we're going to talk about here. We're going to talk about XDev in a little while though. X is going to give it to you. So this is in alphabetical order. Okay, Lay so we're going to start with Evolution. Evolution Studios, founded 1999, acquired 2007. Out of Runcorn, Cheshire, the UK. They have a cat there, I heard. They do. Uh, games, they're known for the WRC series and the MotorStorm, and now they did Drive Club. Right. What are they doing? I have no fucking idea. The, and I haven't known for two years. The, uh, but in all seriousness, they're probably still working on Drive Club. Right, because this is the big thing. It's, it's a like very you I, big game. When Drive Club arrived and was a complete fucking disaster, you and I were like, that's the next one to go. That'll be where mm-hmm. they get, that's the next one to be cut, this, that, and the other. And then not too long ago, they put up the whole thing and made a big deal about Drive Club selling so well. What yeah, did it cost? two million units. Two million units. Which is, is a very respectable, even for a first party game. Whether it's profitable at two million, I don't know. They needed another year. Yeah. Which costs Sony probably tens of millions of dollars at least. But you figure now with that install base, with people whenever we do talk about it, telling us that they do play it, it's good. Don't you know we're too hard on it. And we're, this is again what I was talking about earlier. 
the core audience that actually cares about the game and buys it, and us on the you know outskirts who are like throwing rocks and just know yep. that it didn't work and do all these things. Exactly. If that audience is there and they're engaged and they're connected, they like it. Sony sees that and Sony's like, "Well, keep working on it and make another one. Worry about what happens next." It's surprising they they did get they get a get out of jail free card. I think with Drive Club because right. what you realize with Drive Club, I know because I talk about it a lot, is that the Drive Club audience is very protective of this game, very protective. So they'll bite your fucking head off if you talk about Drive Club. They even look if you even look at Drive Club the wrong way, they're gonna bite Sorry. your fucking head off. Uh, what are they doing now? Yeah, presumably they're still supporting Drive Club. My suspicion is that they'll do Drive Club 2, except for I don't know as we're going to find out how that fits in with Polyphony's game. Oh, I have something to say about that, but I'll wait till we get there. Okay. Um, my instincts tell me they might not do a Drive Club 2 and they might go back to Mortarstorm. Mm. But we'll talk. We'll see what you say when we get to Polyphony, which is, I assume, what you mean. Yeah. Gorilla Games is next. Founded in 2000, acquired by Sony in 2005 out of the, uh, the Netherlands, Amsterdam. Uh, games. Their first game was Shell Shock Nam sixty seven. They do the Kill Zone games, uh, and the game they're working on now is Horizon Zero Dawn. So I think we have a pretty good picture of what they're doing. Are they doing another Kill Zone game? Possibly. I don't think so. Um, we could count twelve studios if we want to talk about Guerrilla Cambridge, which Rigs. I didn't put on this list. They're doing rigs, and I don't know. I don't. I need to know more about the way they interact with each other to really know if we should count them as two anymore, or if that should be counted as another office. Because it would not be the only studio to have two offices in Sony's first party. Polyphony has two offices. So um, I need to know more about that before I count Gorilla Cambridge as number 12. Even though they're working on rigs, it seems like they wouldn't have named themselves Gorilla Cambridge yeah. if they weren't part of the Gorilla infrastructure. Exactly. So we might have to just fold them into one. Everyone's reporting to Herman. Including you. Exactly. How you doing, Mr. Holst? Good to see you. Next Can up you is, coffee? is uh, Japan Studio, founded in 1993, founded by Sony out of Tokyo. I've been there. You've been there. Yeah. Fucking Massive. Massive place i wrote here games a metric shit ton they've made an asinine amount of games i'm just going to go through the list here and i'll, and I'll uh let's see if i can find it you're up there it is so they have a ecosystem there that seems very similar to santa monica's but more prolific and by that i mean in their release schedule so they do like ape escape legend of dragoon ape escape 2 but then eco was a sub studio yeah team eco Project Siren was another sub studio within the studio. Um, but then, you know, a bunch of Ape Escape games, Loco Roco, uh, The Eye of Judgment, which you'll remember, Echo Chrome. Oh, Eye of Judgment. How can I? Uh, the la they did The Last Guy. Um, last Trash Panic, which I haven't played in a long time. Nobody has. Um, Kung Fu Rider, which was fucking abysmal. Uh, Echo Chrome 2. Uh, and then, yeah, they did Tokyo Jungle with, Cam with Camp and Krispies. They did Gravity Rush with Project Siren. Um, White Knight Chronicles with uh, you know level five level and then five. Matrix. Um, they did Knack. They did the Playroom. They did Rain. They did Puppeteer, which I really loved on PS3. Um, and what they're working on now, it says, uh, well, they're doing Gravity Rush and Gravity Rush Two, but Gravity Rush is really being handled by Bluepoint. Project Siren is working on Gravity Rush Two, which is an internal team. They're working on The Last Guardian, which is Gen Design, technically another team within there. So it's a very complicated thing. They're helping with the Tomorrow Children, which is a Q Games second party game. They're, they they did. They helped on Bloodborne. They they are have to be helping on the VR stuff because remember, there's I don't know. You weren't there. I don't. I don't know all the, all the PlayStation VR demos you've done, but I did the PlayStation VR demo at San Diego Comic Con that had the Playroom little dudes, the guys from the controller, the PlayStation Four running around. You imagine their fingerprints are all over that. You assume so. The point I'm trying to make about Studio Japan is that they're everywhere. They're everywhere and they're doing a lot. They do a lot. Right. Right. And they're that place really on a pad upon. They, that place is apps. I was really. I mean, they're they're housed where Sony Computer Entertainment Japan is, and that's a big ass building, and they do take quite a bit of it. And for the record, I don't think I've ever been there. Oh really? Yeah, well, I've been there. Yeah, I, I went there. They thanked you. They threw you a party. They did thank me. Everyone should thank me. Thank you, thank you, Colin. 
Media Molecules next up. Founded 2006, acquired 2010 in Guildford, Surrey, the UK. That's that's totally a made up place. Yeah, no, no, I don't believe that that exists. Uh, games, Little Big Planet, Little Big Planet Two, and Tearaway. What they're working on, Dreams. I think we have a pretty good idea of what they're doing too. This is Dreams. It's me, and my put, yeah. my PlayStation Move wand. I have not much more to say about them other than the fact that we'll see Dreams. I think at Paris Games Week, and I have a lot of questions, and I will not bore bore you with them right next now. next week. PlayStation, uh, Paris Games Week. Yep, exciting. Uh, next up, Naughty Dog. Uh, their oldest studio. Founded 1984, acquired 2001, Santa Monica, California. Mm-hmm. A real place. Games, the games that are relevant to our audience anyway, they've been making games for a long time. Crash Bandicoot, Jack and Daxter, Uncharted, The Last of Us. What they're working on, Uncharted 4, Deep Send. I think we have a pretty good idea. I'm sure that they have a pre-production team, very small team maybe on The Last of Us 2. I think that, that we have a pretty good picture of what Naughty Dog is doing. I, Huntman19, went to kindoffunny.com slash PSQ and says, hi you Greg and Colin. Hello. When Naughty Dog finished Uncharted 2 Among Thieves, they split into two teams with one making Uncharted 3 Drake's Deception and the other making The Last of Us. Once they have un- finished Uncharted 4 Thieves End, do you think they will do the same again in Split? And if so, what do you think it'll be? Perhaps Last of Us 2? Thank you guys again. You're awesome. P.S. I love you, XOXO. I, I don't know the details because I haven't talked to those guys in any on-the-record capacity in a while. Yeah. But I don't think that that, that experiment worked out for them. I think it worked out for them in terms of the games they released. Sure. But I don't think that that was the way they want to make games. Um, it seems like they're all hands on deck for Uncharted 4, and they have been since yeah. The Last of Us came out. Um, the way they talk about their future ideas and their prototyping indicates that they have teams working on other things, but the teams cannot be that substantial. And see, that's where I really think it is now, is I think what they're doing is basically swing shift, where they have a small group of people prototyping working here's the idea fleshing it out so that yeah as they peel people off uncharted 4 you're finishing you start to go to the second team to build out that and then once uncharted 4 is completely done another little pod of people starts working on the next idea and you know you keep going that way because i think that when the last was announced they made a big deal out of being like we're two now we're two teams yeah and i just don't feel that vibe anymore i don't think that worked out for them i don't know what happened uh the games that came out of that structure were great yeah, but um, what you see what happened, right, is that there was delays, right? I don't think they knew their own timelines. They weren't, I don't know if they were, they weren't happy with where things were going and how they were getting done. You know what I mean? And so I think, yeah, you pull people apart, you push them over there, you do this so that you're hitting on all cylinders at all times. Yeah, and I do think that to their point, or to the point of, Sony and Naughty Dog must have decided, like, we got to get more Naughty Dog games out there. But what I think they real what they didn't realize was, uh, a Naughty Dog game is not a Naughty Dog game because it says Naughty Dog on it. It's a Naughty Dog game because it's fucking great. Yeah. And... Um, it makes more sense for them to pivot, as you said, back and forth between these games, and I think that's hap- that makes a happier and healthier studio. Might also cut down on maybe there's some competitive juices flowing, maybe there's some other things. I don't know. I have no idea, but I do feel like they've played that down, uh, much like they played it up when the Last of Us was announced. Like, because everyone's like, "How the hell can you possibly have a game like this going?" And it's like, "Because we've been working on it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know? and um, do I think that the Last of Us two and these other? I mean, I mean, Neil Druckmann, I think, was the one who talked about how they're prototyping other things other than the Last of Us two. So. They certainly have a team that is not working on Uncharted 4, but how big that team is, probably very small, because what you learned about even um, Uncharted 3 and The Last of Us was that people went back and forth between those projects because they had to, Yeah. Um, even though they were technically on one or the other. But I think we have a pretty good picture of what they're doing. Yeah. Polyphony Digital, founded in 1994, acquired in 1998, and they have two offices, Tokyo and Fuku, Fukuoka. Fukuoka. You made that up too. Fukuoka, I think it is. F-U-K-U-O-K-A. Fukuoka, Japan. Um, they're known for Motor 2 and Grand Prix, which was their really old series when they were still polys, I think they were called back then. 
Um, and then when they became uh, Polyphony and were bought by Sony, Omega Force, which is a game a lot of people forget about, then Gran Turismo and nothing but Gran Turismo. Right. Uh, what they're doing now, Gran Turismo 7. Uh, they've all but admitted it. Um, what do you have to say about... We've been asleep at the wheel. And the answer's been under our nose this entire time. And that was in, uh, yeah, sleep at the wheel, right? Car mm-hmm. racing. For since they announced Drive Club, we've been saying, why would they have these two racing games? Why would they allow this? What are they doing? Drive Club is its own thing. Evolution is working on whatever happens with the rest of that Drive Club. Gran Turismo 7 is a PlayStation VR game. And that's all it is. Do you think it's only PlayStation VR? I mean, listen, that, that could kill the franchise. But hear me out on this, right? Like, it could, sure, it's a huge gamble, sure, and they're taking their shot, but there is, if you don't want it, this other thing over there. But it's what we've been talking about. And think about when we talked to Shu about PlayStation VR, especially when I was like, you know, what's to make me think, informed PlayStation fan think, that this isn't PlayStation Move again, that it isn't going to come out and fail? I liked that question. Thank you. And he said, you know, that they're addressing this and looking at this. And this is the next 20 years of PlayStation. You know what I mean? They are committed to this. How do you show your commitment to the PlayStation fan base like that? You have to take your biggest franchises and put them on this. But you can't shoehorn them in. You can't have Uncharted uh, Nathan's Crossbow Trainer. You know what I mean? It needs to be something awesome. And Gran Turismo has always almost been there. We've talked about it all the time, how much... Uh, fucking wraparound screens and using your PSP and your Vita as a rear view mirror and rumbles. And I mean, like they want you to be immersed in that game and how much more immersive could it get than VR? You know that, you know, it, that's a good point. You know that they're crazy over there. But yeah. he's crazy about all these details and all these things. No, they are. And I just, I think that's smart because when you look through this is smart, smart observation, just because when you look through the studios, no one is working on that stuff, except for if we count gorilla Cambridge as a separate studio, which you may or may not. Yeah. Um, that they're all, the only one, other ones working on. And that's on the thing you figure. VR game. We talk about this all the time, and we uh, we've talked to Shu about it from the get go. Right? Is he's like, we we aren't going in forcing our team. We can't walk into Naughty Dog and be like, here's PlayStation VR, make a game for it. Right? There has to be something that speaks to him. And I think from as long I've been covering PlayStation for eight years, and tech always speaks to Polyphony, always speaks to them. And so yeah, huge risk. You know what I mean? To go out there and do this, especially a franchise that big. But you always point out the fact of how well Gran Turismo sells. You know what I mean? There is a fan base there. There is. There is. But Gran Turismo 6 declined from Gran Turismo 5. Now, I think that that was a bad way. They released it in like December. Mm-hmm. And after the PS4 had already come out, I have no idea what they were thinking with that. But yeah. the game was in development for so long that they probably had no choice. Sure. PS or Gran Turismo 5 was the best-selling exclusive on PS3 by mile. Yeah. yeah. PS or... Jesus Christ. Gran Turismo 6 did not sell nearly as well from what I can tell uh-huh. and from the numbers they released and the way they've talked about the game. And so I, I think you're probably right. I don't think that is going to be only VR and I don't think that they ha- they could afford for Gran Turismo to fail. They have a studio, as we've talked about, with two offices, massive team, and uh, it's a bold move to say like you have to have Morpheus or VR to, to do this, but... Yeah. That could really blow up on but them, and th- that could ruin that series. And that's their that's their fucking. I mean, that real. I mean, we talk about the bread and butter of Naughty Dog. That is their bread and butter. Sure, you know, like. But I mean, think about it this way too, though. In the fact of, and I know it's a crazy thing, but I mean, you're, you're talking about a fan base. Like, think of Roper. You're, and I'm talking about Roper before he worked at PlayStation, right? You're thinking of a fan base so dedicated that they'll buy the crazy expensive wheels and add-ons. And that's so, true. Like, they already are into peripherals. They're already into, they that's want this to feel. Point. And I mean, even me as a novice, uh, you know, and I, not even novice, I shouldn't even say that. Even me as a passerby to Gran Turismo, I don't know how to drive sticks, so I don't even like these games that much, right? When I went to their studio, I did do that, and I went to Polyphony, and I got in, and I sat in one of the 
pods to play. I was like, this is awesome. You know, I'm granted I'm putting it into the wall and I can't get out of the wall, but I'm having a great, this mm-hmm. looks amazing. Like if you can deliver that kind of thing from the get go, maybe it's enough. That's a fan base that would already knows that they love buying this stuff would already go out and try to get that. Indeed. I think you might be honest something. Sony Bend, my obsession, founded in 1994 as Idetic, uh acquired by Sony in 2000 there in Bend, Oregon. Random place. Games, they made Bubsy 3D, which is the infamously terrible PS1 game. They did all the Siphon Filter games. Yeah. Resistance Retribution and Uncharted Golden Abyss. Uh, we don't know what they're doing. Now, they're the most interesting studio because as far as I can tell... Have they been dormant the longest? I think that they've been dormant the longest. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, they have. Yeah, Golden Abyss was the last thing they... 2011. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're working on something. Shuei told us it was big. It is a PlayStation 4 game. It's their biggest game. Okay. Um, we don't know what it is. This is one of the authentic question marks. Cypher Filton. No, it can't be. Well, that's amazing. Oh, Cypher Filton yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, no, Cypher- I, don't think, I don't think it's Cypher Filter. Um... We, I have not much more to say about this, except for the fact that I don't know why the fuck they're being so quiet. So they're going to have a big debut at PSX. Yeah, I mean, PSX is probably the one. You have to assume it's time, because if they go into 2016, that means 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, four full calendar years with nothing. Yeah, you figure you know? this is another example of this is who you preach to when you go to PSX and you talk to the the core, you talk to us and you, the audience, right? You are the PlayStation fans, so go there and say... It just, I mean, people will freak out for the Sony Bend logo. They'll know what that means. Whereas at E3, they'd be like, oh, what, what are these guys? You know what I mean? You're not necessarily on that fandom nerd level of like, the guys who made Golden Abyss. Ah, you know what I mean? Like, Or the best Resistance game. I wouldn't go that far. Resistance Retribution. What up, though. Grayson? Um, so not much else. I mean, they've been tight-lipped. I mean, to their credit, they have not leaked anything. Yeah. And they are clearly working on and something. And you and I walk, watch Eric Jensen's stream. Oh, I, I watch Eric Jensen like a hawk. Yeah. Yeah, we know what he's up to. We're over there on his Twitter. I have a little camera in Eric Jensen's living room watching him at all we times. We send him a lot of PS I Love You swag, like stuffed teddy bears. The eyes are cameras. Then constantly rack zooming. To their credit, I mean, What's they happened? are in Oregon. What's so they, in Garvin's office? I mean, that's kind of the brilliant thing about it is that there's they don't have a development culture in Oregon. So like the the there's no you don't go out to lunch with your friends at blah 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 you know like yeah, yeah. and and talk about talk shop and then one of those guys talks to their friends and ultimately that shit leaks. They have no one to talk to. So it's like, and I'm not even being facetious, like who are they, like, they obviously know people in the industry, but it's been, and people know what they're working on, but it's tight-lipped. Yeah. I can't believe they haven't leaked yet. Um, and if it's revealed to PSX, my fingers are crossed that they do not leak at this point. Yeah, no, for sure. I don't want to ruin it for them. Sony London's next, founded 1993 by Sony in London, the UK. They're known mostly, I mean, they did like the getaway and stuff, but they're really known for SingStar and iToy. They do casual games. And before I said that only, uh, only Cambridge is working on VR. That's not true. Japan's obviously working on a VR game, uh, but th- they are too. Street Luge is the mm. game that we know that they're working on. But this Which seems to fun. be more. Th- this seems to be more of like a tech demo. Yeah. There, I have a big question with Sony London. My big question with them is: Do they have it in them, or the desire in them to make a real triple A game again? Because it has been a long time. And when we talked to Shuhei, he was telling us that they have a passion for cameras and like vr like they they they, it seems like that studio is not built to make those games anymore yet i would i really feel like it's such a waste of resources to have this big well-populated studio putting out a lot of games they put out they do put out a lot of games that we just don't want to play and maybe that just says to what you're talking about with the bubble that we're in sing star sells very well i toy games sell they dominate in the uk Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. but i want to see i want to see i want a sony london logo and i can see it in my head the and i I like a splat on the splash can be like 
the getaway. You know? Yeah, yeah. And be like, fuck yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, let them make games for gamers again. Yeah. You know, but that's not what they do. If they're happy. Yeah, that seems like they're. Sony San Diego founded 2001, the remnants of 989 Studios, which a lot of us are more, uh, you know, those of us from the old school remember 989 very well. Uh, San Diego, California. Games, the Mark of Cree, the NBA series, the old NBA series that they don't do anymore. Pain, high velocity bowling, and then, of course, the MLB series. Mod Nation Racers Vita. Mod Nation Racers Vita. Yeah, that's true, too. What they're doing, they're doing a lot. And this is the question that I have about San Diego, and we don't really know much about him. We should get Christian Phillips on the show. We should. They're doing MLB 16, no doubt about it. Probably PS4 and Vita at this point. Probably no PS3. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll do a PS3 screw. They did do a PS2 screw, I think, until 2011. Kill Strain, they're developing internally. And then they're doing Drawn to Death and Guns Up as producers. Yeah. So Drawn to Death, of course, is Jaffe's game. Guns Up is a really kind of dope looking game. And by the way, Guns Up is in the wild because there's fucking trophies for it and people have them. So I don't know what's going on with that game. Mm, that's um, we were giving away the beta codes back in the day. Yeah, I didn't play the beta. Play. Maybe the beta has trophies. Um, it seems to me that they're utilizing San Diego in a different way now. They were always incubating games there, and I think that's lost on a lot of people. A lot of the uh, like sports champions and medieval moves, so like the, the best move games, and that's not really saying much, but those were good games, were internally developed there by another team and kind of produced and, and sure, kind of sure, set sure, along sure, the path sure. by Sony San Diego. Like, good job, Jeremy. Great job, Jeremy. Um, but it seems like they're taking on a more of an XDev role. And we're going to talk about XDev in a minute in terms of the way it relates to Sony Santa Monica specifically, because that's How their, that that's their big this, thing. Yeah. But it seems to me that San Diego is ramping up third or a really second party Sony published games that are not developed internally in addition to their MLB games. So a mirror of Santa Monica where Santa Monica makes God of War. But really, Santa Monica has only made five games. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. In, yeah. in, in 16 years because they are developing all these other games and helping get these like flower journey and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So I think San Diego is they're working on MLB 16. No doubt. We we'll, won't we'll see that for a long time. Kill strain is an internal game and we'll see that soon drawn to death and guns up, you know, drawn to death and guns up. Can't be that far off either. I don't think no, so. No, 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 Um, I don't know before you switch out. Mm. Good as time as ever, I guess to announce this because we have announced it. We've mm. been dodgy about it. We've referenced here and there next week, Friday, October 30th, 2015 Colin and I are going to Sony San Diego we're doing Colin and Greg live from there and then afterwards we're hosting their stream of kill strain and this is what if you were over on kind of funny.com slash forums over the weekend I was looking for people in San Diego we're bringing in 12 of you best friends to come play on the kill strain team there in the office fool around see what this game's all about that's exciting there'll be I'll put up details obviously we'll promote it next week we'll have stuff for it'll you. be good I haven't been to Sony San Diego in like four years so it's gonna be it's yeah, gonna be fun to be down there that's another one why well, I must have been there for some time it all runs together. I was there. It's an interesting studio. Interesting place. I'm going to slap that David Jaffe around. If you I should. Can. You should slap him around. He deserves it. Two more. Sony Santa Monica, founded in 1999. Santa Monica, California. This is a Sony-owned studio from the beginning. They made Connecticut on PS2 and then four God of War games. That's it. But there's way more to it than that. I way think. more. These guys are the masters of XDev. XDev external development. And if I go back to my... I'll just pull up the... Um, the wiki page here. I'll just go to Sony Santa Monica Oop. wiki. It's disappointing that they've only made five games per se, but they've really done way more than that. So I'm not even going to talk. I mean, like Blast Factor and the con and Neopets and stuff. They, they helped Idle Minds and all these guys do this. But process. But flow calling all cars um, was a collaborative thing with them. Um, everyday Shooter 
uh, Warhawk they helped out on, Twisted Metal head on, uh, both God of War games they did with Ready at Dawn, obviously. Um, the Pixel Junk games generally, Detuned, which was the easiest trophies in the world. Fat Princess games, Carnival Island, which was that move game. Escape Plan, one of my favorite games on Vita. Datoro, which had a lot of promise but didn't pan out. Um, Sound Shapes, PlayStation All-Stars, The Unfinished Swan, Hohokam. They're working right now or helping to work right now on... Um, well, they just did it. Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. And now mm-hmm. Fat Princess Adventures. That game, Wadham, which I totally forgot about. I did not. Um, well, I don't even remember that one. What it's is the that? one with the squares and the cute little square with the hat on and the oh. mustache. Oh, uh, what remains of Edith Finch is coming out of that studio, which I can't wait about. Well, I can't, I'm excited about. It. So what I'm saying is fun bits interactive. Um, Funomana, Giant Sparrow, Ready at Dawn, uh, Superbot, um, Chinese Room, the Chinese Room, Q Games, Lightbox Interactive, that game company, Eat, Sleep, Play, which doesn't really exist anymore. Um, they've been helping them, and that's kind of their charge now. Now, I do think that God of War Ascension came out in 2013. That was the last, early 2013. That was their last internally developed game. So it's been a while. It's been two and a half years. Be three years probably by the time we even see anything from them. Um, the rumor, the heavy rumors in the industry have been for a long time that they they had a game well into development, like well along, and then canceled it. Yeah. The game was rumored to be a space game. It was rumored to be written, I think, by one of Battlestar Galactica's writers. We don't have any confirmation on the nature of the game other than to say that they canceled a project. It seems. Yeah. Right. And I wrote about this when I was still at IGN. Um, so I think that they had an intention of having a game out by now. It just didn't work out. And I want to know what the fuck happened. Yeah. You know, like I really that's one of my must know. What was the game and what happened and how did you let it get so far in development? You know, next time uh, you interview Shannon, ask her all about it. Um, I'm sure she'll tell me. I like Shannon Studd still, by the way. Another, she's a straight shooter. I bet she, I mean, like, she is what, a straight shooter. She'd give you. I've answer. had great interviews with Shannon Studd still. Yeah, and that's one of the other things I talk about. I'm not one of these people, these political correct beating the drum things, but being the drum guys. But there are women that run or have high ranks at a lot of these studios. By the way, Gorilla is run by a woman, right? Or, no, or we confirmed it was Herman. Earlier. Well, Her, well, Herman, but but they have they like they have a, a leadership that it, that has a, a very um, notable woman in it. Japan Studio has a lot of high ranking women. Uh, Media Molecule is run by a woman. Um, and then, of course, Sony Santa Monica is run by a woman. So I, I, I like that as well. Yeah. Just throwing those those little factoids out there that we, we could use a little bit of gender diversity just in terms of point of view. And Shannon Studstill, I like that Shannon Studstill, um, who's very He's nice. in charge of the studio that makes the game where you bang girls for red orbs. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I wasn't was going to go that far. I was really just going to say that like their bloodiest and most violent game is, is run. I mean, it just, it just kind of throws everything on top of its head, like things you don't expect. Which shows our, you know, everyone's biases or expectations. Um, but there's a lot of questions. I'd love to ha- talk to Shannon. We should have her on the show. Okay. Um, when we're down in Sony San Diego, the the audible you should call when we're down there is to see if we can talk to Christian when we're down there. Christian Phillips. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll throw him a bone to put him on the number one video game podcast behind Car Talk. Final Studio Sucker Punch, founded 1997, acquired 2011. When we were at IGN, that's the most recently acquired studio. Bellevue, Washington, another beautiful studio. We've been mm-hmm. there many times. Games. Well, you've been there more than I have. Games. Rocket, Robot on Wheels uh, on N64 was their first game, but then they did Sly Cooper and Infamous. Um, what they're doing, we don't know. What we do know is that the game is at least in a playable form in some sort of vertical slice. Shuhei's way. played it. Shuhei has played the game. That tells me that Sucker Punch might be going into two teams or had a team, a substantial team, when Second Son was in development that was already working on this because that seems like a very quick turnaround, especially considering First Light was such a robust 
piece of DLC, but we do not know the I nature mean, of the game. Do you think it's possible that he was, I mean, Shuhei was just playing super, super early, like, yeah, oh no, I'm sure it was pre-alpha very but but Well you you threw out vertical slice, so I want to make sure to the audience at home we're not talking about like an E three vertical slice where it's like Oh no no no. He, I mean do, he didn't say vertical slice either, it could just be whatever, but he said he played it. That is yep. that, so my assumption so what what do I know about this? Very little. We don't know anything about it. It can't be infamous. Right? It can't be infamous. I don't think it's infamous, no. They if you look at what they do, Sly Cooper was PS two, infamous was PS three, and then they actually jumped to PS4, so it's not like they it's unusual for them to have to continue the series. I right. just think they're done with it. I don't I like. I do too. And I'm kind of done with it. Yeah. To be honest with you. Yeah. For now. Sure. Unless it was Cole. Much like Sanzaro did Sly Four in in lieu of Sucker Punch, I think another studio is perfectly capable of doing Infamous by themselves mm. without Sucker Punch. Sly Four was great. Um, I'm not saying it's going to be Sanzaro for Infamous. You got to find a studio that makes sense for Infamous. But if they want to continue it, and they probably should at some point in some way, it doesn't have to be Sucker Punch. And I don't think Sucker Punch wants to do that game. Um, time to spread those wings exactly I'm interested to see what they come up with the interesting thing when you talk to those guys is that the idea for Sly Cooper well really more infamous the idea for infamous floated around since the very beginning and they didn't get to execute on it until the game came out in 2009 so they developed it starting in 2007 you assume they have other ideas and uh, I think that it wouldn't be surprised me if it was one of those deep ideas since the three founders are still all there mm-hmm. Um I forget what conversation or interview or up at noon or whatever the hell it was, but I've talked to, I mean, I've talked to Sucker Punch for years now, and I remember them talking about Infamous that, yeah, they went in and pitched Sony like three things, and Infamous was the one they thought for sure they wouldn't, that they wouldn't want, and that's the one they went with. So right there, you mean, there was two ideas that they thought were so strong, they'd beat out that superhero game. Right. And you don't know, I'm sure years and people have come and gone and left and whatever, but it shows you the, you know, the way this works where people come in and like, here are all my wares. Which one would you like me to work on, Shuhei? And Shuhei goes, that one. Um, and it's knob switch. It is knob switch, which is of course uh, Rody. Get off your ass and make it. It's an essential game. Yes, knob thank switch. you. It, it is the same as Vita exclusive. Vita. I was gonna say if you bundle that with a Vita, we sell at least three dozen a day. With <laughs> and I think that keeps Vita going. Yeah, that's all it needs. Um, <laughs> so that's it. Uh, just a little exercise. We'll we'll revisit them maybe next year. I would like to do something with second parties too because that was the thing that I was talking to Shuhei when we interviewed him on episode two was everyone was talking about the death of exclusives and specifically the death of second party exclusives yet second party exclusives are robust for both PlayStation and Xbox right now more maybe than ever and as I pointed out all of the exclusives that came to PlayStation 4 AAA exclusives did not come from first party this year Mm. right so The Order came from Ready at Dawn second party studio Bloodborne came from From Software Until Until Dawn came from Supermassive Uncharted Collection came from Bluepoint so Second party without the important without second parties there would be nothing right. this year. Right. So I want to go over the second parties at some point soon, maybe next week, maybe later, um, and go into that. But in the meantime, this was an examination of the eleven, maybe twelve first party studios that we wanted to talk about, not including Northwest or whatever the, the new studio we don't know anything about, and not including like Pixel Opus and and you know um, uh, not even that game company, but yeah, similar studios, Honey sure. Slug, whatever studios Honey are working Slug. are working within the family, but that are not owned I hear you. and operated by um by sony so i hope that was informative a lot of conjecture of course but at least it brings us That's up what to date is all about at least it brings us up to date on what we think is going on i liked it it was a good feature good thank idea you. thank give you pound dog i'll give you a pound there you go thank you pound it out later with knock me. on my door when you get home got it uh we're going to transition into reader mail mail call maelstrom uh you go to kind of funny.com slash psq the q is for questions to answer your questions for us here on ps I love you, XOXO. Uh, we're going to go to the first Guardian. Now, this is a question from last week, but it played into your first party studios. So this is the bridge. Are you ready? 
I like bridges. Question. With the closure of Big Big, Incognito, Liverpool, Zipper, and the selling of SOE, should Sony invest in more studios? If so, what would be a good candidate and why? I'm asking because AAA development time is increasing and first-party output has been disastrous. Delays, broken launches, cancelization of the Sony Santa Monica IP. I would personally go for Insomniac and Capcom, the former due to their fun and funny games, the latter due to their IP, diversity, and legacy. Signed, Ty. But his username on Kind of Funny Forums is none other than the first Guardian. Well, Capcom's on a pub- Capcom's a publisher, and they're not going to get in the bed yeah. with Sony. The although they did in a second party way with Street Fighter Five. So I mean, these these kinds of things happen on a case by case basis. So that's not really an applicable example, in my opinion. Yeah. Insomniac. I'm not so sure the best of Insomniac is ahead of them anymore. I mean, I, I just got to be honest with you. Like, yeah. I just I don't I don't know that that's a, a studio you want to get in the bed with. That might have been a studio you wanted to get in the bed with ten years ago. And I'm I I am sure that at some point they tried, um, but I mean we've not seen anything from Insomniac that indicates that that's something you necessarily want to bring into the first party. Sunset Overdrive, made by our friends that made Resistance. Uh, I pointed like the posters here, but it's not. Um, no, but the game is. I put the game oh, out Resistance. Today. Is it's all signed by. Um, is uh awesome, right? It's a great game. Um, and Resistance Three was a great game, and but you have like all these you know overstrike whatever the fuck they ended up calling fuse and yeah. their, their their social initiative i don't really feel like they know what they are and they're making ration and clank um in their second studio in north carolina but i don't think that that's a, a good direction to go into either in my opinion do you agree with that yes i do i i don't i don't for me i feel like insomniac is always the one that could turn it around at any second you know what i mean i i this next ration clank, clank game is a true ratchet and clank game They've learned so much. We talk about how great our cracking time was all the time. Like I'm excited to see this one and play it because I feel like there has been enough time between true Ratchet and Clank games where I can get excited to play this one. I, d- I wish it wasn't like a remake of the original or whatever, but I'll get over it and play it. And yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it does. We'll see how this uh, this cartoon does and if it resonates with a new audience and they get new games. And by the way, a correction. By the way, from oh, last gosh. week, we talked about Ratchet and Clank. People had brought up an uh, uh, an interesting point. We talked about Ratchet and Clank in t- t- terms of all for one and full frontal assault, but we did ignore to their point into the Nexus. Which was a traditional Ratchet game, which was the last Ratchet game. Oh, really? So totally forgotten about that it. is a good point. That said, that was more of a what I would call a budget Ratchet game on last gen hardware that was shorter than usual, was cheaper mm-hmm. than usual. Not exactly a crack in time facsimile, but they're right. Good point. Good point. We apologize. Um, but I, I, I always hate this question when it's like, who should they pick up next? Because it's like, well, you you like to your point. They have to have tried to get Insomniac before. They have to have tried to get Quantic Dream before. You know what I mean? Like, they've made these plays before. So, like, for uh, Ty slash the first Guardian to come out and be like, Capcom, it's like, all right, they should buy Microsoft. I don't, you know what yeah, I mean? Ca- like, I mean that's, I that's a bad example just because Capcom, yeah, Capcom's an IPO. They're a publisher. They have internal teams. Yeah. But they are a publisher. They are fine doing. They have an intimate relationship with PlayStation, clearly. And so that like we've had, we ask this question comes up in various forums all the time. And so for me, it's always about scaling and who do you believe in, who do you invest in, right? And so like last time we did it, I forget how it came up, and I, I said uh, 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 Fulbright. And you're like that's who you'd pick, and you're like I'm Sam Nick. And I'm like, well, no, but I feel that's already happened. You know what I mean? So like I would like super massive, right? Right? Like they have something. Give them, bring them in, get them behind it. But like. Get a small team of somebody who, you know, that you, you know you believe in. You already saw what they've done and see what they can do with it. Uh, Campo Santos guys, right? Like, people who are doing really interesting things but are small. And what would happen if you gave them a load of capital to make something with? Yeah, I think I, I think the question... I have two ideas of who they should acquire, and I think they're both obvious. But the 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 question that has to be asked, and Shuhei has kind of talked about this with, about this with us in the past, is 
not necessarily, he didn't necessarily say this, but what he did say, what I'm about to say, but what he did say was, you look at it on a case by case basis. There's no reason to get in a bed with someone if they're happy with a second party relationship. And some of these studios do not want to sell, you know, yeah. but they're happy to getting the capital and being exclusive. So when you buy a studio, if you if you bought a super a studio like Supermassive, it's like, well, why? Like you you own the IP and you own that engine, probably. Yeah. In fact, the game was built on the Killzone engine. You know, so you so it's like the 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 idea would be like though it's I, for me it wouldn't be and this is back to the whole Fulbrighter who or, uh, Hello Games. Sure, maybe specifically let's talk about Supermassive. Rain it back in. You own all these things, da 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 da. But now the now the jigs up that they're they're great. They have good. They got. They have talent. They know what they're doing. They have cool ideas. They can execute on them. So you worry about other people coming in to get them to execute on this. For you know what I mean. And we don't know their deal. Maybe there was a contract and so multiple games. It's this, that, and the other. Who the hell knows? You know what I mean. I'm not worried about Microsoft coming in and hey, make Until Dawn two for us. Obviously, that's not going to happen. But taking them away so they can't make another Until Dawn for you. Yeah, no, that's that's true. I think you also like Supermassive is an interesting studio though. You have to just give them. I think you, they need to prove more. I think they have more to prove. Mm-hmm. I think Until Dawn's a great game. One of the great games of the year, I think. Um, and it's certainly an unexpected for a lot of people. I, I expected it was going to be good. I didn't expect it was going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 obvious the obvious studios that they should buy, it, it, I agree, is Quantic Dream. But it seems like Quantic Dream, yes and no. I don't think Beyond Two Souls was a good game. And I think that after, they, after Heavy Rain came out in like 2009 or 2010 or whatever it was, I think it was 2009, that it was like, yeah, this is a great studio and stuff like that. But it's like, Beyond Two Souls was like a, a regression, right? Sure. So I I would almost need to see more of them from them before I even I was going to get in the bed. And these shrewd guys, Shuhei and his team, are very shrewd people, and they're looking at these things. And I know that they know that Beyond Two Souls isn't as good a good game compared to Heavy Rain. And maybe they have something really special, Singularity or whatever the fuck the game's going to be called that they're making, but that we might see next week. Yeah. Um. And maybe they make the announcement that they, yeah. did, they did acquire the studio. Um. The the no brainer is Housemark. Mm. That's the fucking no brainer. These guys just make great games. That's all they do is make great games. And when they got into bed with someone else, they still made a great game. So you could have had it. You to know? your point, they've proven themselves. Yeah. Oh, right? yeah. Like, it's like that's a great point in what we're talking about. Quantic Dream, you would have gone off of Heavy Rain, been like, buy them. Beyond's not great. Supermassive, they've done one. Can they do another? So how smart he is consistently game after game. Those guys have the talent. Yeah. You know, like, they really have the talent and the vision. Stardust, um, Outland is a is a, a really really great game that they actually published with Ubisoft. Resogun is fucking phenomenal. Alien Nation looks awesome. Like these guys make Dead Nation, which should, I I'm shocked we didn't get a sequel for because that game's awesome too. They make great eight eight point five nine nine point five games every time. You know what I mean? And so then for them, why do you think they haven't been? Have they been approached and turned down? Is it that the games are smaller, so they're not making money on the scale Sony would want? There's probably multiple reasons. You have to assume Sony knows that House Mark should be in, right? Like that's that's the one that's always bothered me. I have their. I mean, everyone always asks what this is, um, because it's it's not easily visible on my thing. But that's a ha- that is a House Mark logo on my computer, and and um, it's just a tiny little sticker in the corner of my computer, and they're just. They do make small games. It seems like they like freedom. Like they like their freedom. We know them. Mm-hmm. And I've talked I, I mean I, I especially know them and I've talked to them many times and I was in their twentieth anniversary video and it was it was it was it was fun to be asked to do that and getting to kind of know them and know, know you know, especially Mikhail, but you know, everyone else there, Tommaso and they just seem to have a lot of ideas and, and go quickly and move quickly. And they're working with, I think, other developers. I mean, they, they I think they even did like the Angry Birds trilogy or something. Some, they did oh, really? something random. Okay. Like that has nothing to do with Sony recently. Um but they belong. They're a PlayStation. They're they are to me the epitome of second party PlayStation. 
Um, and so when you talk about talent and just games, they make just 10 or 15 or $20 games that are really good. Really good. Yeah. And they're twin stick shooters. That, that, that's their shit is twin stick shooters. They love it. Alienation, we played at E3. I think we had different opinions on it, but I think that that game has all the trappings of classic Housemark. You played a build that was way beyond what we played. Me, Nick and I played it at a uh, the w- an event when the same time they announced Silent Hills, when Silent Hills broke. You know what I mean? When people discovered mm-hmm. that at the PT demo or whatever. So what event was that? Were you in? I was probably in Iceland at that point. You were probably in, at Sony down just at Sony. Yeah, I was down at Sony, but it was before E3 and it was well before E3, I thought. And yeah, we played a very incomplete build that we were before we got the controllers like, all right, here's what's broken in it. And they listed everything we played. We're like, all right, like, I'm sure it'll come together, but it's not good right now. Yeah, I'm surprised it's not ready yet. Like I, 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 the game was announced a while ago, and and it's not like this overly ambitious game, but they'll take their time, and and it's gonna be awesome. Like yeah. I, I can't, don't even get me started on a fucking game because I can't, sure. I can't wait to play it. But they, they are the obvious target because to, yeah, to the point they've proven themselves, just like Insomniac used to prove themselves too. Mm-hmm. Quantic Dream makes sense, but again, the fine, and this is what I was talking about with what Shuhei was talking about, where the financial realities I think just indicate that you don't need to get in the bed and give these guys tens of millions of dollars to acquire their studio, if they're just willing to work with you anyway and you yeah. own the IP. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, if some of a studio is getting Sony's money, they're going to own their fucking game. You know what I mean? So it's it's like that is the, the value is in the talent, but talent is transient. So the only thing you can be sure of is that you own the IP. And Sony made, you know, I was talking to someone about this recently about Bloodborne, that Bloodborne was a make right for a Sony mistake, right? They made a huge mistake with Demon's Souls. They do own that IP and they did publish that game in Japan, but they didn't publish it in the West. They had no idea what they had and they didn't lock from software down. And so Bandai Namco came to them and was like, just make it again and name it something else. Yeah. And we'll put it on Xbox. We'll put it on PC. And Sony lost. That was that was uh, to me when I when I reflect back on the last few years of, of, of the biggest blunder Sony made. That was it. Interesting. You know, yeah. was they they had that on a lockdown with demon souls and 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 i made the point when i was talking to someone i'm like they had no idea what they they had and guess what neither did i and neither did we because i'll never forget we what, we, we, we freelanced that review because we're all like what is this it was like it was like game? a month late too or something yeah, like that yeah, it was yeah. like yeah everyone's like where's the demon souls review i'm like what the fuck are you and talking Bishop about came back with the review and gave it what, like a nine yeah we're, we're all like what really this thing and i remember bringing it home and being like this is not for me but I remember that game just washing over people and there might be there's probably more to the story but but it told me that Sony was like we believe in this game so little that we're not even going to publish it in the West and Atlas came in and published it for them yeah um and then Bandai Namco inevitably came in and, and made and made Dark Souls so the point I'm trying to make is that there it does take a little foresight and it doesn't always work right it doesn't always work you're going to make choices that seem to be antithetical to the reality of the situation and we don't know exactly what happened with Demon Souls but that indicates to me that Bloodborne was like that we know we know you know like we have the original team and we made this game and there's going to be a Bloodborne too I have no doubt about it um so yeah back to the original question housemark is the one it's a good pick razel cool which is a great name went to kind of funny.com slash psq and left us this question hey colin and greg Hello. so happy to have you back in the playstation space this was exactly what i was missing from kind of funny in general as i think it's one of the best shows you guys do is just more focused and all around great a baker's dozen thank you 
Let's get to my question about replaying games. A lot of my friends never replay games, while I am one of those guys who replays his favorite story games at least a f- every few years. Arkham games, Uncharted, Last of Us, Bioshock, Red Dead, for example. I actually think that games should be replayed to be appreciated on the same level as movies or music. Otherwise, it's just fast food culture, which gets consumed and forgotten. This is also why I like the remastered versions, since I also buy classic movies again when they come out in a new format. Of course, you cannot read blah, 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 blah. What are your thoughts on this? I hope to meet you guys in Germany one day. Do you, you know, I mean, we're in an interesting spot. We don't have time. We're, we, we get to do these shows and be with you, and so that's a lot. But then we get access to every game. So you need to stay current. You got to keep playing. Yeah, you got to do keep so much you different stuff. Moving. Yeah. Yeah, it's complicated. I, I, I agree with him in the sense that it's nice to go back and play games, yet I go back to play games that are typically not story driven, but gameplay driven. Like I can sit down and play Castlevania like every day. Yeah. I can play Mega Man every day. I can play like Ninja Gaiden and and you know Zelda or whatever it is. Like games that are fun to play that are that don't have stories and I don't want to fucking deal with the story. Like, yeah. Once I read the story or have the story, I, I I know it and and I, I but I do agree with him that you go back and get things the second or third time around that you missed the first time around. Yet to your point, we don't have the luxury of time to be able to really enjoy games like that. Though I'm playing the Uncharted games again, or at least I played the first two again on PS4, having not played uh, one since 2007 or 2008, or 2008, and then two since 2009. Um, and uh, certainly remembering things again, but yet not really gaining anything out of it. Yeah. See, that's the weird thing for me, is I love what he's saying about going back and appreciating and finding new things, but yeah, I, I, every time I try to replay a game for story, and I don't count like when I did Arkham Knight again to get the platinum, right? Because I'm skipping cutscenes. I'm like, let's just go. I know what I'm doing here. You know what I mean? But like when I was so psyched up for Last of Us because I, I had been getting to that headspace of like, I want to play Last of Us again. Yeah, I want to experience that again. And then I got Last of Us on PS4 and started into it and made it to the dam with Tommy or whatever. And I was just like, yeah, this isn't, it isn't, it isn't what it was. I know, I know where I'm going and I know what's happening and I know what's around the corner. And it's like, I think games on some level and respect, you know I mean? Since they play with our emotions so much and we're in the moment, right? That I, I, I you talk about journey. I talk about the walking dead season one. Like, you know, I finished these things and put them down and that's my experience. You know what I mean? Like I put, I made choices or did these things and the experience I had with the one traveler doing this and chirping at each other. Like that was that game for me. So going back and doing it again, doesn't cheapen it, but it doesn't enhance mm. it the way I want it to talking about games and telling you about how you know how crazy it was to get to the end of the last of us and be like i can't believe this is the ending you know what i mean that's different that's in the same way i feel driving home the emotions i want or what i got out of games yeah i agree uh, yeah there's the last of us is not gonna be as powerful the second time around yeah no way colin yes the final question is from deltron 310 where is onimusha i don't know ask capcom he's asking you though I don't know. I mean, I have the same question. There hasn't been an Animusha game since PS2. So Dawn of Dreams, I think, was the last one. I think it came out 2006. Maybe even 2005, but I think 2006. I remember writing the guide for it when I was in college. That's how long ago it was. Um, Animusha is fucking fantastic. I don't know where Animusha is other than to think. The conspiracy conspiracy theory in me says like anything Inafune was involved in is done. But Dead Rising moves on, right? So, um, or it did. It did well beyond... Oh, beyond I mean, him. I, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, but also well beyond, yeah, like where Animu, I mean, there was multiple Dead Rising games. Oh, Dead Rising really, well, I think Dead Rising actually like really was, around, came out around the same time as the last Animushi game. I just guess that they didn't see returns on it. I, yeah. I, I think the one and two and Dawn of Dreams, which is four, I guess, I hate three. I think three was like whacked out with um, 
guns and, and all sorts of stuff. But those games are awesome. On Animusha on PS2, the original one was really the first awesome PS2 game that mm. I remember playing. It was, uh, I think, God, when was it? It was it was spring, spring 2001. Yeah, and um, right, 2000, yeah, 2001 because 2002 was when Animusha 2 came out. Animusha 2 came out the same week Super Mario Sunshine came out, if I remember correctly. Um, I remember playing it to be like, this is really fantastic. Yeah, you know, and uh, I think. Samanosuke and, no, and no, it doesn't have to be about him or whatever but th- there's there's something special there I just feel like those games are dead it's the same thing that like it's the same way I feel about Devil May Cry they're different games yet they're very similar they're early 2000s mid 2000s games yeah here's and some so action I, get your combo score up and go beat the hell out of everything yeah and I, I think there's a place and, a, and room for those kinds of games DMC obviously done with Ninja Theory did it but Capcom as we talked about last week has no plans for DMC yeah I'm sure if they have no plans for DMC they have no plans for Musha because Musha really always played second fiddle to that series um so what do i think it will live again probably for sure it will for sure but uh, what are their plans for it i don't know and i would really flip my lid if they release another animation game so i really i really love that game that, that might be like my favorite pound for pound my favorite ps2 series okay yeah uh time to move on to one of the new topics this week's forgotten playstation game it's my week what did you pick last week i forgot because it's forgotten oh god i don't remember i don't remember what i picked last week god well, because it's forgotten. Yeah, I know. That's I guess that makes sense, right? I was looking through my trophies because that's how you and I have pretty much agreed that we're going to do this. We just scroll through our trophies, find old stuff. One game that came out that never got enough credit because it was a late port. It's been on a million other things, yada, yada. Diner Dash. Diner Dash. Diner Dash was a lot, a lot of fun on PlayStation 3. And I would love to see it brought over to PS4. Of course, put on the Vita. I know there's a lot of... Every not, VS4 game is on the Vita. Thanks, remote play. Uh, but no, Diner Dash was great on PlayStation 3. Steimer was obsessed with it. Played it at my house all the time. But like, it was just fun. You know what I mean? And like, it sounds stupid because of course Diner Dash is fun. It's Diner Dash. You know what I mean? But it worked on the controller. It was a good port. It was there. It did what it needed to do. And it was simple. But yeah. Mm. Hell yeah. Diner Dash. Diner Dash. Interesting choice. Uh, Iceberg Lounge went to kindoffunny.com slash PSQ and said... Howdy, Colin, Greg, and Portillo. I have a question for you, and the simple question is this. Is Ragdoll Kung Fu the most underrated, the most forgotten, and the most underappreciated game on the PlayStation 3? Also, what did you think about that game? I figured that fit in well here, because who the fuck's thought about Ragdoll Kung Fu in forever? Oh, Sam Bishop, obsessed with Ragdoll yeah, Kung Fu. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know that that's the most underrated or is it the most underrated no is it the most forgotten no is it the most underappreciated it's appreciated at the right level yeah i don't that's an interesting one that's a deep cut i appreciate i always appreciate i'm an appreciator of deep cut so i do i do appreciate that but um not as appreciated as the deep cut of the late ps3 port of diner dash but but it's but it's up there yeah it's up there i'm Uh, like racking my brain trying to figure out what game i talked about last week and i don't i don't know what it was Shit, yeah. Uh, time for PSN's worst name. Of oh, the week. Mushroom Wars. There it was. PSN's worst name of the week. Of course, you can go over to kindoffunny.com slash forums, post there uh, in the PS I Love You XOXO forum, your worst name or one you find. This one comes from Grimmy11. <clears throat> Not my own name, thankfully, but when playing the Battlefront beta this weekend, I kept getting killed by Bilbo Baggy Balls. <laughs> Bilbo Baggy Balls. <laughs> I, was, I thought that was good. He that had the screenshot good. and everything. of <laughs> You've been killed by Bilbo Baggy Balls. Some heinous names out there. Yeah, that's a good one. That one's clever enough. It Play, it's playing on the Bilbo Baggy. Shuhei, let us change our names. Shuhei, let us change our names. Rumor, I mean, the rumor from Tidex is that it's uh, PSX. We'll see. A lot of things are coming there, according to... I will never rumors. trust anything that man says ever again if that doesn't happen at PSX. I'm telling Damn, you What right if now. it happens at Paris Games Week? They pull the trigger early. That would be weird. 
What if Sid Schumann leaks it on his Twitter <laughs> in, a, in a Simpsons gif? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been PS. I love you. XOXO episode four. Thank you for coming along for the ride. Of course, P.S. I Love You XOXO is our PlayStation podcast. It posts every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time on iTunes, on podcast services, and of course on YouTube.com slash KindOfFunnyGames. Remember, KindOfFunny.com is what keeps the mics on and the lights working, so go over there, watch all the videos, subscribe to our YouTube channels, and if you have some extra bucks, toss them our way either on KindOfFunny.com slash store where you can get posters and shirts or Patreon.com slash KindOfFunnyGames. Colin. Yes. It's been a joyous ride with you as always. Yes. I love you. I will I miss you when I go to Nashville. Don't miss me too much. I will miss you a lot. I I'm not going to I'll text you all the chicken sandwiches. I oh, that's nice. Thank you want that? Uh, no, you know, don't do that. I'm going to no. do that. Because I'm going to be stuck you. in California. I'm going to send you a lot of no the fried chicken photos I'm doing. Every episode of P.S. I Love You XOXO ends in a song in a segment we call Singing to Shuhei. Uh, this week, the Sonic Wombat went to kindoffunny.com slash PSM. M for music, it mm-hmm. makes sense, and posted his song there. You go there, you post me a SoundCloud link, you post me your YouTube link. Do both of them, because on the MP3, I play the music. On the YouTube video, I annotate out to your YouTube video. Sonic Wombat said, I totally love this idea. The show is now everything I've ever wanted. Here's my song, My Ears Are Cold. It's about Lex Luthor. I reckon Greg may like it. I did, so I thought it would be a perfect one to end this here episode of P.S. I Love You XOXO. Ladies and gentlemen... It's been our pleasure to serve you. Here's the Sonic Wombat with my ears. Been lately feeling just a little bizarro. The way he smiles when he helps with his sorrow. Now I know I may seem cynical, but he's not making miracles. Nobody asks why he's here, we just praise him. He's only helping cause we're here and we'll praise him. And once we stop, he'll be gone in a motherfucking heartbeat. Stop and just consider that he's not the hero that we want or the hero that we need. He just wants to watch us bleed. And when we're gone, he'll move on. Too much trust is never a good I'll set them free from his tyrannical hold My body's strong, but my ears are cold Everybody wants to love him and they do I just want to show them all the ugly truth Something about the way he smiles when he flies Trying to figure out a way to bring him down for a while He never wants He never needs He never dies He never bleeds Maybe once they see you'll agree Too much trust is never a good plan Treat him like a I'll set them free from his tyrannical hold My body's strong, but my ears are cold Thanks.